Benji, did you recover anything? Yes, yes. Despite the aforementioned conditions of the hard drive you brought back, I managed to recover portions of uh, two dozen email files, also made what I believe to be a thoroughly promotion-worthy breakthrough. Your Mr. Davian is going to arrive in Rome the day after tomorrow and attend a function at one Vatican City. What the hell is Davian doing at the Vatican? Uh, it's all got to do with the rabbit's foot. Rabbit's foot? Yeah, well, I'm assuming it's like a code word for something he's about to sell to an unspecified buyer for $850 million, by the way. Or maybe it's not a code word, maybe it's just a really, really expensive bunny appendage. Do you expect me to talk? Good evening, gentlemen. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to review Mission Impossible 3. As always, should you or any of your do you expect us to talk team be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This intro will self-destruct in five seconds. Anyway, hello, this is episode 150 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow co-hosts, Chris and Dave. How are you both? One ha- Good evening, folks. 150. 150. That's, that reminds me of that chat line. <laughs> you know, this one. Come on, Carl, chat back! I'd forgotten all about that. I, I didn't even hear it because I was too busy running away! <laughs> Yeah, he runs for a really long time. Yeah, I think I think was this the film where we started to do that running stuff? Yeah, it's a big part of this film, and then yeah, he has exceptional stamina and yeah. speed. He only just met Casey Holmes, and yet he felt the need to run. <laughs> run all the way towards Katie and down the aisle. And, and the irony is that well, she the one who who ended up running away. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> he got very excited and jumped up and down on Oprah's couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like this was like the there was yeah this was like the 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 the, 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 the that moment in time where the backlash against Cruz started to happen, where he just went mm. his Scientology shit just went off the rails, and he mm. just started to behave and he really. Was, he was probably doing nothing different. And actually, if you watch the whole Oprah uh, interview. Put it this way, cutting little choice bits from it makes yeah. it look worse. Yeah, I think that, um, that scene definitely was taken. Well, as always. If you watch the interview in whole, you know, it's really, it's really interesting. And it's kind of sweet. Is is there anything hmm. fundamentally that wrong about a guy? Particularly a no, guy he's really happy. He's just so thrilled. But particularly a guy with a couple of marriages behind him. You know, you think you, a lot of us get... You know, I've not had two marriages behind me, but a lot of people get, like, a bit cynical by then. The idea that he's just so joyously excited. Yeah. I have to admit, I never quite got the backlash from that. No. I, re- I was always like, that's kind of sweet. And then suddenly it was, what a twat! Like, oh, I, really? But from a creative point of view, you know, this film, Mission Impossible Three, was hugely successful. Tom, you know, he's he's still making Mission Impossible movies today. His he continues to have an incredibly successful career. So well, the backlash comes out in in pre-production and production, really, doesn't it? Because we think of all of that 
all of that Katie Holmes stuff happened in 2005. This comes out in 2006. But actually, when you think about the lifespan of a of a film production, it must have actually kind of concerned Paramount the backlash because, and actually, it only did like two thirds of what Mission Impossible Two did. And and I do, yeah, I, I do imagine there must have been a bit of retrofitting afterwards that they weren't, well, didn't do as well. Oh well, it must have been Tom. Yeah, as well. I, th- I think I remember the um, at the time also there was a lot of talk about like like big big uh, blockbusters or or people not going to the movies as much. How true that really was, respectively, I don't know. I do remember that there was like there was reports of like just general like box office just not doing as well. Uh, We've had this so why? many times, though, Chris. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it people have like short-term amnesia with it. We've, we've talked about it on summer reviews, where yeah. I, one of the summer reviews we did, I think it was the first one. I think it was 2016. Um, all the films that year, not all the films, because this is that's a gross generalization, but it was a disappointing summer. It was the summer of stuff like Apocalypse and so on. And um, towards the end of the summer, of course. We we're starting to get the you know this summer was a disappointment it didn't do that well and I said to you you know what it's like next year it will be record breaking summer mm. and that will have happened in at least one of the two years that followed and now we're back this End year game to- this year I mean fuck's sake mm. yeah but but overall there's been a run since End Game of films not doing that well but it was yeah. stuff like Men in Black International anyway which wasn't very good and and so on had, so, had no appetite for as well you know as well sometimes i think you know people expect oh no i say people i mean sorry say the business should we say it's like expect certain films to sort of do a certain amount where they don't actually just get people just don't really care about another man of black film there just wasn't an appetite for it i don't think and so and yet their their foresight's terrible but their actual track tracking is amazing in the like a film will come out and it'll it'll do literally a handful of screenings on the west coast of America, and they can pretty much tell you what the weekend's gross will be. Do you, do you yeah. know what I mean? The the amount of technology, foresight, and modelling they're able to use to actually know exactly what's going on in their industry is amazing, and yet it's not there to be able to say, "Don't do that film, guys. It's not going to work." you know what i mean and it's been that sort of summer so yeah this was in a strange uh, and of course it's been a long time since the second film second film wasn't great uh we're in the year of casino royale we're in the year following batman begins cinema was slightly catching up with 9-11 i think and i I think i think by now enough time had passed to kind of okay we can begin processing this and we can begin to talk about this and put it in film Um, so yeah, uh, what I mean is cinema was getting darker for a while. Yeah, I think obviously we've had Bourne came a little bit before this as well, but it was just kind of getting into it a stride. Obviously, seeing where I'll kick this off. This was a great year for spy and action adventure thriller cinema, definitely. And I think, yeah, this is kind of where we see a lot of our favourite franchises <laughs> take a darker and grittier turn. A little bit of background. We're not just we're not going to do a hell of a lot, uh, but just a little bit of background. Uh, again, it's one of those that you go, well, why six years? Well, actually, in 2002, David Fincher was attached to it. Uh, David Fincher had been... His, paths, uh, his path had crossed with crews over a World War II film that they were both sort of circling for a while. Didn't happen, obviously. Um, and also, 
think well yeah thinking about it i suppose it had that happened something like valkyrie may not have but mm, um that's true. uh so fincher was attached for a while uh i think what kind of film that would have been oh my life i did sort of hear some some stuff um about what it might have been uh sounds very different but uh, mm. th- that's all we'll say on that but again he sort of dropped out of that to go and do he went to go and do something else that he didn't actually end up doing um but uh, that then joe carnahan was attached yeah uh joe carnahan was going to have kenneth branner as the bad guy mm, very interesting. Uh, also attached sorry go then, on. had he done that branner wouldn't have made as you like it so yeah branner was going to be the bad guy in this though wasn't he in, in this version this. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, oh, I see what you mean. I don't know because it was a di- it was a different script. But what, I'll tell you what I know. But I yeah, haven't okay. studied it in massive depth. Uh, also attached to that version was going to be uh, Carrie Ann Moss and Scarlett Johansson. She was attached to it as well. And again, it's easy to go. Well, which role would she have played? I'm not sure. It's the same. I'm not sure it's the same. Uh, it was going to come out in 2004 various slippages it was then going to become 2005 uh, robert town was still attached uh, writing it uh, at one point what is the name i'm blanking on the name there was another person attached to write it no i'm not sure i can't i'm blanking on the name there was another fairly big name attached to this for a good while carnahan left citing the usual creative differences um, but he says he was going to be fired anyway. So clearly him and Cruz weren't hitting it off on what his ideas were. Around that time, Tom Cruise binge-watched Alias. He literally sort of watched it in a day or two, uh, a couple of seasons of it. And that brought J.J. Abrams into his sort of purview. J.J. Abrams had a look at the work that had been done and didn't like it. This is why I'm saying it's probably a little bit different. He had a look at this and just said, if you know, the same sort of things Wu was saying about the first one. It's a little bit cold and impersonal and procedural. It was very much, you know, very mission based rather than people. And when Cruz said to him, well, what's the what's the Mission Impossible film you want to make? And he said, well, I'd like something a little bit more personal, something a little bit more about Ethan and a little bit of seeing what he does when he's not working. Do you know what I mean? And Cruz clearly liked that and said, yeah, I think that's what I'd like to make too. Uh, Abrams brought Orsi and Kurtzman on board, which is no surprise, but I'm not actually going to beat on them too hard tonight. And that was it. So, yeah, various delays getting the script retooled, which pushed it back into 2006, and hence the film we ended up getting. Yeah, and it was kind of very much... I want to say run-of-the-mill action movie, uh, but it was, you know, thinking back, it was a bit of an oddity because, as you say, at that time, we weren't getting action movies like this. They were all kind of like, oh, let's do Bourne or let's do uh, Dark or Gritty kind of kind of thing or, or, or something that's like that fairly serious, you know. Thinking back, it was actually this is probably one of like the rare times where it's like, yeah, this is just a full-on action film, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no apologies made. This is exactly what it is. And um, yeah, so it, it, so to me, like looking back anyway, it it does stand out. You do go, okay, yeah. I I, I don't see what anyone else was doing something like this. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like for me, certainly in terms of. The, looking at the Mission Impossible franchise as a whole, if I can just interject, I think for me it, it does stand out as a solid 
balls to the wall action film. Um, and like, I think for me, this is where like, you know, the, the last few movies have, you know, have just been exceptional. This is where for me, like the modern era starts. Like the first two films, fine, brilliant, very interesting in their own right. But for me, I think this is where like Mission Impossible, as we know it today, this is where it starts. Um, and it really does set the bar high. And it just keeps on going higher and higher and higher. But yeah, on the kind of film landscape at the time, apart from Bourne and Bond, had many pretenders. But this is kind of where, you know, the filmmakers were doing something very interesting at the time. Um, and you feel like a new kind of era of action cinema, I think. And that sounds really stupid, but that's just what I think. Um, no, I, well, you know, I do think, oh, apart from that as well, um, it they do sort of make sense sense in terms of his character of Ethan Hunt. You know, it's like you look back in the first one. He's like, uh, a like a new a new kid on the block who's like frust who's like has this whole world turned upside down. Uh, second film, and he's, he's one of the lads. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like he literally comes comes of his own, and then and the second one is basically him doing his super spy shit. Here, here we have like a bit of um. Uh, like you know, the the the, 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 the second one, Tandy Newton gives him a hand. <laughs> the the um, but um, the 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 third one, and now coming like was is did we say it was like six years later or something like this that? This is two thousand six, yeah. so yeah, yeah. We've, so we've gapped, this is now ten years on from the first one. Yeah, so obviously <laughs> time's passed, and and now he's kind of like looking to kind of like. Uh, we'll step out of it. What's a life outside of it? You know, this is all kind of making sense when you step back a bit. And go, actually, no, this this stays true, and it, you know, and the series do, does continue to do that. It you know, it, it does sort of make sense to, as even as a character. Um, yeah, they just kind of follow some trajectory, doesn't it? I think. Well, it's the beginnings of Ethan Hunt as a character. Mm. Uh, you've only got to go to any Bond forum now. I, if you go to a Bond forum. I fully expect everyone to go, but Bond is better. You're on the Bond forum, of course they're going to think that. But the common knock on this from fans of other series is that Ethan Hunt's not a character. And I don't agree. But it only really starts here. It only really starts yeah. here. And again, when yeah. you start thinking how heavily involved uh, Cruz in is, is in the creative process, mm-hmm. um, you know, he never picks lenses and all the rest of it. He's not literally directing. But, you know, he is almost like the creative consultant to the film. You know, we've just talked about where Cruz was in life around this point. It doesn't surprise me that, although it wasn't his idea, as soon as Abrams pitches to him more about, you know, he's trying to find a life for himself and love and all the rest of it, yeah, Cruz would immediately go, well, that appeals to me now. Yeah, so, they two kind of like line up, don't they, a little bit, so... It's a bit of a hybrid for me. I see what you're saying, Becca, because this is a big, big step in the direction of where we're going. For me, the Mission Impossible films we've got now start with Ghost Protocol because those three ah. films, those three films are almost they're not interchangeable, but they're almost no, but they're, interchangeable. They're, they're, they're so quite similar, similar, aren't they? Style, definitely, and they, even they though, follow the same thread. Even though there's a change of director after the first one of those three, sure. Um, this is kind of in a bit of a middle ground, and it and it sits yeah. on its own, and it's actually. It's got the longest gaps either side of it, if you like, in that there's six years before it, the previous one, and five years after. So it sort of came back and they tried something. And when they came back again five years later, it was subtly different again. Yeah, this is kind uh, of like the in-betweeny stage, isn't it? I think this yeah. is it, one of the Empire reviews. I want to say Ian Nathan. It might not have been Ian Nathan. Um, 
B obviously we kind of had Bourne, got Bond. Um, so it's kind of in, in between. I think Roger Ebert may have said something similar as well. I would kind of, I do, I do get what you're saying, Dave. I would agree with you. I kind of think like the look and the feel and certainly the, the shift of focus from more action heavy, not that that's a bad thing, um, but away from, I mean, still, still very much including those core elements of Mission Impossible from the TV series. Um, but also in terms of turning it more into like an action thriller franchise, as we know, it were kind of like the, the bones were kind of laid down. That kind of felt, you know, the kind of high octane action and amazing, incredible, crazy stunts. Well, I mean, I'll as, talk. As, you know, that's kind of. I think that's where. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about it when we when we come to Ghost Protocol because even from the very first scene of that film, there's a subtle difference in the way Ethan is project projected towards yeah. the audience, the way he's portrayed because. Even how he looks. Well, if you look at the second film, you you know Chris was saying your biggest action star in the in the world film, you know, and Lantern Jaw Hero. Mm. Well, he's not that. By the by, the fourth film, you're actually coming to the sort of team he's got now, really, more or less. Like uh, Benji's out in the field and that sort of thing, which I was really worried about, but it kind of works. Um, but just the way he's introduced his first shot, it, it, Ethan in that film is it's a bit like introducing a new Bond. If you look at Ghost Protocol, we'll talk about it next week. So they've managed this strange thing in the new films of making it all about Tom Cruise, yet not all about Tom Cruise, which is just, I don't know how they've done it, but like he's this kind of legendary figure, but it's, there's a team and he, and he's playing nicely in a team, but we'll talk about that more next week. This, this film was um, just something, just, yeah, it doesn't feel like either of the first two. You can see why they were doing different directors every time, because at this point, did they even know what the series was? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that was probably one that... I think it was probably what Cruise was going for, one of its strengths, but I think at the time it was a little bit of the weakness of the series. It was, where are we here? Is, is everything just course correction, or are you really doing like a different flavour each time? Uh, and you know, I think by this point I was like, okay, they are still, they still got this like this team element, and they've done it better this film, but at date it is still the Tom Cruise show, um, and I don't know whether like they intended it like like that always, or it was always going to be Tom Cruise show, or what is it? You know, are they still are they still working up to to building a team because they seem to, the team seems to change within every film. Yeah, well, I think at the end of four, I could have told you what everyone's name was. At the end of this film, I could not. So they've put a team around him, but I've got to look up what Jonathan Reese Mayer's character's called every time. Yeah. And that sort of thing. So it, it's better, but it is still about him. And the thing is, what they've managed in the last three films hasn't sacrificed that. It's still all about him, but we've just got... Maybe it's because he's got bigger stars around him. I think it's kind I, of the it, team has become inter- literally mean, interchangeable. Of course, obviously now we've point, seen got the introduction of, of, of um, Simon Pegg as, as Benji, who'll be like the other constant from or kind of ish most of the time here on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically him, Ving Rhames, uh, Tom Cruise. Obviously, they're the only two people who've been in this whole series. Watching the Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Two and even tonight, you'd worry that bringing in bigger characters and by bigger I mean bigger names, bigger presence. Mm. Even Ilsa would almost defocus it from him, but yeah. it's the great strength of the new films that it just hasn't. It's still a Tom Cruise film, very, very central, mm. but he's actually 
been emboldened by having stronger people around him. I actually think the team around him in this one is piss weak, with the exception of Luther. Um, yeah, it's not 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 great. It, it's not great, and it's one of the weaknesses of the film. But there's a lot there's a lot I like about it. There, there they is all, a... they all, you know they all try their best. But I would say like as <laughs> this sounds really silly. I've got a lot of silly things to say. Um, Saying Becca, go on, we live for it. Do it, Becca. Um, no, like last week's film was like very nineties. I would say this film is very like early two thousands, and that's really stupid. Well, tell but, us why. You like, just because of all like technology, and also you got kind of like people like Billy Crudup, Don Tree Smyers. Um, who else have we got? We got obviously Simon Pegg, no brain known here in the UK, especially from um, from Spaced. Um, Greg Greenberg from Heroes, obviously on uh, this, you know, around similar Absolutely sort of time. Wasted. Literally, you, you see him in a scene, but he's kind of known for just turning his head slightly. Um, I'm not directed, sure what he's done since. So I think he's JJ been in. Abrams from Alias. So. Yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously, know about JJ. Look at where he is now. Um, and obviously, Aaron Paul. If you're a big fan of Breaking Bad, then you'll, you'll recognise him. He's gone on to have a stellar career ever since. <laughs> as the it's, most... very, it's very much of that time, and obviously, Felix Seymour Hoffman as well. His just a fantastic actor, somebody that we lost far too soon. But it was very much of that time. It's those that kind of cast, those kind of people. Um, and yeah, it's a very, it's a very kind of two thousand and six film, very mid two thousands with all the, the the CGI and the gadgets, and it has that very distinct look about it. But yeah, I, I know it's really stupid, but I just think it, you know, just strikes me as a very mid two thousands type of movie, um, which which I think is very cool. Oh, it's definitely of its time um it's very i've often found with the orsi and kurtzman films and jj films uh, which are obviously one and the same quite often the the films are they move along at such a pace that they work and then you go away and think about them and they fall apart star trek into darkness being a an incredible example of that that i didn't actually that that's it's not the best example in that i i kind of didn't enjoy it that much when I first saw it but it all hung together ish and then I left and thought about it and and all of a sudden it was dreadful um that was the big thing with revisiting this and having a real look at it it's like what will this hang together when I really have to think about it and I got to give it some credit because I was really waiting to find its fatal flaws to just find the it doesn't work I thought I found one at one point when when Cruz is sent to or Ethan is sent to go and get the rabbit's foot, the fulcrum bit, I thought that bit didn't make sense, and then I sat and thought about it, and it actually made perfect sense. So um, the script hangs together. I mean, for opening thoughts from me, it's it's. I guess I feel a little bit about it like I do about the first one in the. There's something a little bit non-essential about it in the Mission Impossible series, and that's not that's almost a damn it with faint praise it's not to say there's anything wrong with it it's just we've had three that follow it to my recollection which obviously we're going to test by re-watching it in the next few weeks the three films that follow this are significantly better um but there's nothing wrong with it so you can't laugh at it like you can the first one it's not quite as distinctive as the first one in the first one really does go for like a tone and a vibe you know, Becca was saying at the time, it, it's almost got a slightly, you know, Cold War feel to it. And this doesn't have this. It does feel a bit generic action film. 
Um, but it's not a bad action film. The script hangs together really well. I think there are important steps on the road to making Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Cruise's Ethan character, a rounded character. Some of the stuff in this film is going to pay, pay, you know, pay off in Fallout. So it turns out you need this film. So when I say non-essential, I'm talking about how it feels. I'm not this talking about. It's the real linchpin, really, isn't it? I think you do actually need this film in the series now because of Fallout. Mm. So you know that that is Exhibit A to Ethan Hunt isn't a character. Well, he is. They have built on the character from there. So um, it's a good film. It's a fun film. It hangs together very well. Its pacing is terrific. But then JJ's got a very good sense of pacing anyway. But again, anything this film can do next week will do better almost. The only thing I would say about um, Ghost Protocol, it gets away with it because it's five five years later. But had Ghost Protocol been two years later, I would have been a little, I would have felt a little bit like, oh, that's a shame, missed opportunity. You've set up this, you know, love story that works. Not, not Tandy Newton where you've got like, you loved her, didn't you? You've actually got a proper <laughs> three-dimensional uh, character from Michelle Monaghan. Uh, interesting little fun fact, Michelle Mo- Monaghan and Kerry Russell were born on the same day. They literally they share, share, a, they share a date of birth. But um, So I would, have been a bit, I would have been a bit disappointed if the films had been closer together. Just a little bit that like you've set this up. And now you're having to piss it away a bit like Bond film style that like, oh, what do we do now? Because he's got to go into the next film. We can't have a woman hanging around. We'll see how Bond copes with that next year, obviously. Um, So that, but yeah, anything this film can do next week will do better. The action set pieces are pretty good, but even the fulcrum thing, it was done for real, but I could honestly believe that was done on a set just by the way it's shot. Um, and you know the story's a bit better next time the characterization of Ethan is a little bit uh, you know carries on improving next time the team around him is way better next time so it it stands there as this pretty disposable action film but it's good it, it's good it's not as Mission Impossible quote unquote as in the TV series as say the first one where the first 28 episodes in that was a, was a um was a TV episode. It's it's kind of paced the same way in that the whole opening set piece of this film does take about 28 minutes, funnily enough. Um, but I like it. I don't love it. And funnily enough, whilst Rotten Tomatoes is never a, a, a you know uh, an indispensable guide to anything because it's only a guide and it doesn't measure weight of opinion. It only measures uh, numbers. So. A film getting 90% on Rotten Tomatoes just means 9 out of 10 people liked it. It doesn't tell you how much they liked it. But this film has about 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, and to me that kind of feels about right. Especially after so long as well. It's still held up. That that score is held up. It's not the slam dunk that we're going to get late coming soon, but it isn't the, oh my God, that isn't very good of the previous one. It's a lot more entertaining than the first one, even though arguably the first might be a better film. Um, and that's really all I want to say about it as an opening thought. What about you guys? Becca? Yes. Um, I think from here on in, not that this film is poor by any stretch of the imagination, but for me, things can only get better. <laughs> just to quote... To quote D. To quote the 1997 Labour Party strapline. Um, no, 
I do agree with a lot of what you've said, definitely. Um, so I just call you David there, I don't know why. They were I'm very upset. Call, call him by his Sunday name. My Sunday name? What, Father Dave? It's like, it's like what sort of people call me Christopher. It's like, oh, that's my Sunday name. Yeah. <laughs> Not Wendy. Mind you. <laughs> Not Wendy. Makes, makes a change. Late, late, she spends the whole year, she's going to spend the whole year going, Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> yes, no, Dave, I do okay. agree with what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much all of it, to be fair. Um, like for me, this is kind of where, well, um, the the kind of blueprints, I guess, um, for like the the series as we know it have have been laid down. Um, not that this film is is bad. Um, the Rotten Tomato score, we, we know, really does reflect that, and it, it holds up many years on. But I think you know the only way is up. Um, is, is a, to quote Yaz. Yeah, Yaz. Is, <laughs> Chris, you've got to give full credit to the plastic population who, who, assisted, oh, yeah, who assisted her in creation of that song. Yeah, that's the plastic population. How about that? So if you want to, you know, score five points on your music quiz, these guys are the ones to have on your team. Yeah, mu- mu- music in inverted commas. <laughs> Popular music of the 20th century. Um, music quiz. <laughs> that could be a nice spin-off. Um, but anyway, no, getting back on track, definitely. Um, yeah, I think definitely anyone, you know, who who really wants to say, oh, Ethan Hunt, you know, he's, he's not like a, a rounded character. It's like, well, you really have to watch this film. Um, and yeah, as you said, they literally. Um, I think this is kind of where like the the, the thread that's kind of followed through the, the next few films. I think this is where it all starts really. Um, it just goes to show you that, you know, that there's kind of nothing is. It's not disposable, as you say. Um, I think this this film is kind of really like the start of like, the modern um, era of the series as we know it today. Definitely, um, I would agree. Like this, the team that we have around them are kind of a little bit. Like, we don't we don't really see them again. Um, John Therese Myers is kind of known a lot of, uh, for British TV as well, like smaller independent movies. Um, really crude, but I only kind of really know. I think from Big Fish and also. Um, Oh, that's the one. That's the one. Thank you. So I forgot the name of it. Sorry. Hi, I'm Jonathan um, Reese Mayer. You may remember me from such things as alcoholism hi. and crippling personal problems. Hi, I'm Ed Winchester. <laughs> but um, no, being obviously a big fan of Space, I'm really happy um, to see Simon Pegg here, definitely. And it's. I think it, back in one of the Star Trek movies, there was my fun fact about him saying, oh, you know, obviously didn't see what the future held, you know, with, with JJ and it's like, I'm not like I'm going to do Mission Impossible 3, it's like, well, here you are. Um, and for me, it's just like, yes, you know, it's a really big key for the series to have Simon Pegg, definitely. Um, the only down point for this film for me um, is probably when they get to, when they reach China. I know that's, <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's kind of like, for me, there's like one little scene, um, the CGI, I think literally when he's, um, He's obviously landed on the ceiling and kind of going that da- going down as you were. Um, well, he landed he did... on the roof. If he'd landed on the ceiling, that would have oh, been on the roof. Even, yeah, definitely, and, and, and falls down. Yeah. Um, and there's a scene like where he loses his gun. There's a sort of quickly blinking, you miss it scene there. Um, the CGI is a little bit ropey. Oh, do um, tell but... us when we get there because I never noticed. No, it's literally literally just the scene like where he loses his gun and then it goes over a corner, and it's just like. It just kind of grates for me just a little bit, but as I say, it's a very tiny scene. Blink and you miss it. 
Um, but I just w- I was watching it in prep last night and was like, ah, and it took me out of the scene. But otherwise, the CGI really holds up. Um, lots of twists and turns that we'll talk about when you know when we get there. Um, you never quite know what's going on. Um, and I really enjoyed the fact that the rabbit's foot is for me a little bit of a MacGuffin. Yeah. So I think that was quite interesting. It's, it's... You can imagine conversations about it, can't you? At writing meetings. Yeah, you and really them can. Going, and them going cat from Red Dwarf style. So what is it? <laughs> so right? what is it? Uh, a white hole. No. Um, and <laughs> so, so what is it? So what is it? So what is it? <laughs> right? And eventually... Literally at the end, he's like, and what is it? Probably JJ, if I'm honest, if if I were to guess, would have gone, does it matter? Does it matter? Whatever you want to make it. I was like, oh yeah, good point. <laughs> it, it's a thing that's going to kill lots, lots lots of people. That's all everyone needs to know. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's the bomb under the under the bus. It's the bomb in the briefcase, and but you don't want to know about it. Judging until... from the markings on it, I think it's some kind of chemical weapon. Mm, yeah, definitely. But you don't really care because you're more interested about um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and the kind of the interplay between the secretary and you know between Lawrence Fishburne's character and Billy Crudup's character. He um, does elevate this. I mean, if you swapped him out and put in, I don't know, I don't mean to pick on this guy. Ken I, <laughs> I, well, I only pick on this guy because of the roles he keeps playing and it annoys me. Swap him out and put in Mark Strong and, oh. suddenly, and suddenly the film bombs. Not because Mark Strong is bad, Mark but Strong. because he, this is not the film you stick a rent-a-villain in because otherwise it does go totally generic. Mm. I think that's yeah. the kind of good thing about casting somebody like Billy Crudup, who's kind of more known for kind of like indie roles, and as, as again, as similar as we've seen in the first film, they you know they cast John Voight because you wouldn't expect him, and I, th- I think the similar situation here with Billy Crudup as well. You know, he, he can, he's, he's quite he's quite sort of versatile and yeah. somebody who you wouldn't you wouldn't suspect. No, when I, every time I see Billy Crudup, I think of Superman. Was he in the Was he in the frame to be Superman at some point? I do believe so. Literally, every time I see him, I think Superman. What, see, he has got that chiselled profile. Yeah, but I don't think he should play Superman necessarily. But I feel like there's a connection there. Mm. He he was uh, in Watchmen. It could mm. be that. Yeah, of course. The the other point I I forgot to make mention was a couple of other directors were circling this at one point. After Carnahan left, it could have been Brett Ratner. Oh God. We're, we're really lucky. <laughs> we'll see him and, later. And I was reading something where it became effectively musical chairs because. Um, so, X Men and Superman. Uh, Superman both had films out this year, Superman. and and one was going to be Brian Singer, and Brian Singer moved to do one, and Brett Ratner moved from this to do another, and JJ had been involved with with the. Ver- so that is what history. happened basically with the X Men yeah. <laughs> musical chairs. Well, on balance, I like the Mission Impossible films better than um, X Men. So, um, if you're going to stick Brett Ratner on one of them, I'm glad it wasn't this. No, but, we ruined it and all. Um, but no, but anyway, um, yeah. I, on the whole, I do like this film. That's my I, <laughs> that's yeah. my opening. Before I hand over to Chris, just a quick public service announcement. Um, just by you mentioning Spaced, if you've never seen Spaced, folks, it's the sitcom uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did with. Uh, Edgar Wright, who's went on to direct, obviously, Shaun of the Dead and so on, but more recently, Baby Driver. He also did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Space uh, had two very short series because it's um, British TV, so there's only about 12 oh. episodes in total. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Prime Video now. It went went live a day or two ago, so I just thought I'd mention that. Do, do check it out, folks. It's superb. It's dated, but it's very good. Yeah, very British, very but in a really random way. Very, very like- Edgar Wright. If you like Top Fuzz, you'll like it. Yeah, it's like yeah, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, if you like Shaun of the Dead, that, 
that's why I just go back to spaced and that's where it all began. But all that that whip pan sort of editing style he's got, and uh, not whip pan, but that whipping editing style where you literally get you know crash zooms on people washing their hands after going to the loo and things like that. <laughs> that that was all developed in spaced. So Chris, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so yeah, I think you guys commented quite well. It's very competent. Oh, thanks. It, well, it, it's fa- <laughs> as were our comments. <laughs> no, I mean the, the film is pretty. Is I would say competent. Um, you know, you know it, it's hard to criticise because it doesn't. It doesn't put a foot wrong most of the time. I think it's it's faults lie twofold. I think well maybe threefold actually. Um, Are you going to be the harshest critic? Well, for me, it didn't work on seven levels. <laughs> I would like to count ten levels on which this film doesn't work. Beckle, Beckle, I raise you a twelve. No, um... Be- no, Becca wins. Acre, <laughs> she's Batman, and we're scared of her. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Well, I don't know. I could probably. Oh, I'll think about it. Probably five things spring to mind at the moment. But, yeah. but anyway, I think. <laughs> anyway, moving on. The, the, six for me. The, the, the pressing things. <laughs> the pressing things for me. A, I don't think the. Um... You know the Tom Cruise, uh, Ethan Hunt as as like the ordinary guy. That stuff is just a very fucking cliche. It's you know it's just like you know he's the dream guy. Everyone loves him. You got Aaron Paul going. I'm so I can't wait for you to be my brother, man. It's like. I didn't even recognise it as Aaron it's Paul. Like, I let it go. Oh. Like I was like, as soon as he came up, I was like, hold on, that's before he was famous. I didn't, I didn't even recognise him. I wasn't looking for it, to be fair. But go on, sorry. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I was, I was, I was kind of with um, the uh, the other uh, heroes actor who was. Um, oh, Greg Gunberg. Yeah, who, who was just, like, who was just like, oh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but things are, he, you miss a he, cameo. he's supposed to have a boring job, so I understand that. Yeah, you know, that's the yeah. thing he was he was going for, and therefore I was like, oh yeah, I. <laughs> And the girl's like, yeah, I marry him. And he just seems to be like, it's so clear. And even, every down to uh, Michelle Morgan's character, Julie, she's just, it, everything's just such a fucking cliche. Like, you know, oh, ever since, you know, dad's not around, you know, I just figured, you know. She had to be a nurse. She had to help her. people as well. Yeah. Um... She wasn't going to be an investment banker, was she? <laughs> no, no. Uh... So the film has a happy ending. <laughs> Yes, yeah, she she, 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 she wasn't going to be an accountant. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, it's everything. It's just it's just so fucking like seen it all before. You know, no, the fridge. I mean, I know you know the, Dave thinks says Julia has level has levels. I I to me she doesn't, uh, and that's not a knock on uh, Michelle Moore. And um, I think she she's actually does a. Great I'll job. As we go through because you, you, you're right, but I'm not wrong. Okay. You know I, I mean, we'll, we'll I, I, I think I think uh, Julie Mohan does all the work. You know, I think I think she she she's basically there as the siphon. And if I was being really cynical, I, I would say she's basically a prize. But I'm not that cynical about that, that kind of thing. You know, it's you know I I get I get it. But there are worse prizes to win as well. There are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, but she's like the thing to rescue, and she's like the the, the ultimate like. She's basically symbolises Ethan's chance of a normal life, 
of happiness, you know. Uh, yeah, sunshine. She invests all that. So, oh, she's lovely. She's everything sunshiny through the lens flare. And yeah, I mean, I don't think I said level. Well, I might have said levels. Well, I'd have to go back and check the rest of the recording from a few minutes ago. <laughs> but what I, what I think I'm getting at is that she is not insert uh, damsel love to love interest now. Nor have they made her like. I don't know. She's not a cop or something. Do you know what I mean? You don't yeah. get into the field and find she's really feisty. You know what I mean? She is like a normal woman would be in that scenario, you know, scared yeah. and all the rest of it, but smart enough and self-aware enough to not sort of scream the hero's name constantly, safety starting <laughs> style. Um, and they are attempting to show him in a real life scenario, whereas the true prize Bond film style is at the end he'll get the shagger. <laughs> the, the, the prize here is a is a normal life. It's you know it's much more like fucking Highlander or something yeah. that way. So you know he's. I want to live, god damn it. Sorry. I so said it's like I want to live, god damn it. That kind of. That's thing. exactly it. So it's not to say there's great layers to her. It's that they've pitched her correctly yeah. for what the film needs to be now, because. Although Tom Cruise is aging phenomenally well, we're now getting to the point that, you know, a 44-year-old Tom Cruise still playing like he's fucking 28 or something, uh, winning the prize to, you know, shag the woman on a fucking bale of hay at the end of the film, you know, Bond film style, is not where this film or this series needed to go because all it would do was evoke film two again. And film two was not very good. So anyway, yeah. Sorry, go on, Chris. No, no, that's fine. I mean, it, it it does also add on to the other thing with the Kerry Russell character. Like, we have no connection to it at all. It's just something again. It it's just something we're just like told, you know. And and you know, Ethan's kind of like wants vengeance, and we feel nothing in that as an audience because we have no connection to that character at all. Um, and yeah, I I think I think that the other problem. I think largely, really, is just the fact that compare it to the the other films in the series, nothing feels that spectacular. Now the action's actually really well done. I actually think it's re- you know competent is probably the key word there. But you know, yeah. I, I watch it and I and I, and I struggle to pick faults of it because I think the you know the action, the stunt work, it you know the pace of it is all really entertaining. It you know it doesn't stop moving. You know, it, you know it, it, it. It's all very nice to look at and and very fun, but there's no uh, him climbing the top of a building in in um, in Ghost Protocol. There's no because well, no, he's on the, on the top of a building. You have to think of the Burj Khalifa, and it isn't that, is it? No, it, no. there's no like there's no there's nothing that's like truly memorable. There's nothing about it that's like even in, in the first film where you know he's he, he's he's they're trying to break into like you know the the Pentagon and it's like really tense. It doesn't even have that or or the you know the the, the helicopter going in the Channel Tunnel. It doesn't have anything that that stands out. Maybe the bridge scene, maybe, but the um, bridge scene, him being slammed into the. It's a sign of how yeah. far the series has come. That that was the big selling point. Him being slammed into that car mm. by the shockwave. Yeah. Um. Was in all the trailers it was like the look at that and that's actually tom cruise whereas yeah. now if they did that in a film they'd be is that all you got this time <laughs> yeah. um, i i think it wears the slight scar that it's a first time director and he does it yeah. he does a perfectly competent job 
and he's very good at per- interpersonal stuff. He, he always has been, JJ. See how he is when he's got younger actors as well. You've only got watch Super 8. He's, he's just very good at getting people to look at each other the right way and yeah. interact with each other. Um, but that action sequence with the fulcrum, just, it lacks... It's 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 great on the page, but in execution, it's a, just a little bit unimaginative. Yeah, and it's it's yeah, it's hard to put your finger on it because you, you, as, as you say, you watch it and you're struggling re- you know, to really pick flaws, but because it's all done very competently well, uh, it, I just it nothing particularly packs a punch. Uh, but the, the one thing it does have is uh, arguably the series' best villain. Uh, and that's largely goes down to uh, uh, our, our rest in peace, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Because I would agree there definitely. Um, he is one of the most memorable in the series. And he just goes to show, like you don't have to do, you don't have to necessarily hammer up, you know, you know, be like you know the conniving Eng- English villain to you know to be memorable. You can just be, you know, your regular self and just just be evil calculating intelligent and dangerous and that's enough you know you know when he when, when he's like the, the the thing that's on the on the trailer the, the scene where he's facing off and tom cruise is interrogating him and he's just interrogating him right back as if he's like he just doesn't give a shit that's really good that's almost like you know that's like that's all reminds me of the like joker in the dark knight you know oh, this this guy just like just seems to be like you know you think you got the upper hand, but really, like, do you? You know, you know, he, 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 he almost like just he's he's almost like too big that like you can comprehend. Um, so that works really, really well. Um, so yeah, I do think the the ending does just seem to be like, all right, we just need to end it now. Fine. Oh, what, what do we need to do? Okay, well, we got this bit where we introduced like the the bomb in the head, so we have to like. Tom Cruise has to like you know die and shock himself and get resuscitated back by Julie, who's a nurse. And yeah, we have to kill Damien and Billy Cobb of character somehow. Okay, there you are. Thank God, there's an investment bank here to help him. <laughs> yeah, but do, do you know what I mean? The, the ending itself just feels very much like oh, okay, we just need to finish this now. Okay, all right, well, that'll do. Two felt like that as well. Let's go and have a with Sydney. Yeah, so you know, those are my main flaws. Uh, and that, and even though I just sound like I've just fucking slated it, I, you know, I, I, I actually agree with both of you. I think it's really a very competent, very enjoyable, very pacey uh, film. Uh, those, those are like just the negatives I picked on. Uh, but I think you know the action stunt work. I actually really liked how the stuff where they actually do work as a team worked really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I said that it was the only other Mission Impossible film I could think of where bits reminded me of uh, a TV episode. Now, again, that's about to be tested because I've got three more films to see. I know Fallout doesn't, but let's see with the other two because it's been a little while. I was actually referring to them trying to get into the Vatican. Mm. That, yeah. that that could have been the first film. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to become a trademark of the film as well, where a character does descend via a cable. To infiltrate a location. Yeah, I think it's, the more... it's like a trope of the series. You kind of expect yeah. it at this at this joint. I think also it's worth pointing out that you mentioned happy endings, and I didn't make anything of that. I it's think a happy sh- ending. I think I think that shows personal growth. <laughs> well, there we are. <laughs> this film has a happy ending. It's like I, I saw that, and I was like, 
when was the last time I watched a film that had a happy ending? Well, I I think Dave would agree. I think personal growth always does lead to a happy ending. Yeah, you got to have a bit of personal growth first, in my view. You did it here first. <laughs> Once you've had some personal growth, you're ready for a happy ending. <laughs> Shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Uh, okay then. So we get to pull you on my other grimaces for the film. It's only slight, but I do think we have like an intro, probably one of the Tom Cruise's best acting in the film. Yep. Um, and it's you know we, you know we see you know Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know Julia tied up, gun gun to head, basically asking him where the rabbit's foot is, and he's basically pleading or trying to come up with anything he can he could possibly say. Uh, I know. Obviously, the delicatessen in the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, to be to be to be fair, you know, you could see, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman stop there for a second and go, hmm, actually, <laughs> actually, that'd be quite cool. I just haven't had a thought. This whole film was like one big flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It's. Uh, I thought of. Um, I thought of the middle two Bourne films when I thought of that because obviously the end of one film is like two thirds of the way through the next sort of thing yeah it's yeah. kind of one of those like oh this is where we came in moments what's your problem with it Chris I'm not saying I disagree by the way but you didn't we were talking about this off air and we didn't quite get to it before no, it was time um, to sort of record it, it just well I think you know you said it it just, it just compromises the scene later on we get to the scene where the stakes would have been amply raised and we would have had this like really sort of high tense, really dramatic Tom Cruise giving it all. And it's like, well, I've, I've seen it at the top of the film already. You know, it, it would have, it, it just, it just, you know, ruins, ruins it almost. I just wish we had, would have had maybe something else instead. Like maybe, maybe if we had like a scene with, uh, Kerry Russell, and it would have been like her, her first mission kind of thing, you know, as Tom Cruise like sort of retires from mission to, to, to solely do training, and it's like, oh, congratulations, you're a recruit now, or something. Also, yeah, something like that would have probably been better in my view. Post title could have been two years later. Yeah, ca- yeah kind okay. of thing. You know, it's yeah. just that, you know, because it would have developed Kerry Russell as a character, we would have seen her in action kind of thing a bit more, and would have gone, oh, well, she's going to be a bit more of a, a a thing in the film rather than like oh she's in one scene more or less and that's it you know that 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 that's all but I, you know but that that's my main issue but you know it it is what it is well i think for once i'm not going to give orsi and kurtzman a particularly hard time because i i don't like their script work people who i respect have said oh they're really good and but they're largely talking about their tv work which i haven't seen so i've got no comment on uh, it, it came out talking to somebody about Discovery, which has Alex Kurtzman involved, and I think the scripting for that show is quite weak, personally. Don't want to really get like into a big debate over that with Discovery fans, because if you like it, you like it, but it, it's fair to say it's taken me two series, two whole seasons of it to go, no, not enjoying this, it's not very good. I really was a defender of it, because people were complaining that, oh, it's different, or it's not Trek, and I'd think, well... It's just different from your era. Give it a go. And I was really very um, positive about it. But 
I've just watched the second series, which is a load of wanky fan service, and I, d- I just don't like it very much. But the point is, Alex Kurtzman's the showrunner on that, and a lot of people have said, well, he's not writing it then. He's leading the writing group, and it's got all of the flaws of Orsi and Kurtzman. It's just got the flaws that are hard-baked into the way they work. But someone was saying to me, oh, yeah, he needs Orsi. He needs Orsi. And I'm going, you're kidding, aren't you? Orsi's fucking dreadful. But... um the point in, the point being that the, clearly their TV work is is a little bit better, but their their script structures are awful. There's only one bit in this film where somebody's monologuing a bit, and I'm listening and going, that's meaningless. And that was a bit Orsie and Kurtzman. But they do have this tendency to try to show they're being really clever and play with structure a bit in a way they think or they appear to think is being smart. And the only flaw, really, in this script to that regard is this at the start. I think it's them, like, going, aren't we being clever? Or this will upend your expectations or whatever. And I just think, like, I just get pissed off with them over it. But that's going to be my one critique of it. As a a little wake-up, it's very effective. Yeah. Uh, The film's got your fucking attention, hasn't it? I mean... I, I will say in a slight defence, it, it could have been like, oh, what can we do to open a film? We haven't really got anything. You know, so we would have, we might have been like, oh, well, this is the best way to open a film because we've got to have, like, a pre-title. He's retired. It does make it difficult. Yeah. Do you you know, know? Do you, yeah, so I, I can understand it from that moment, but, I, you know, I think ultimately think about this thing a little bit through maybe you know have how about it be we like... start it with he's trying to make a wanked off not fingered and he doesn't, he, doesn't <laughs> have, he doesn't have any olives and he's like worried about it and he goes to the store and yeah yeah <laughs> you gotta go to 7-eleven yeah. get some ice dun 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 that was all it was how do I get out of here eventually he thinks to throw the ice away that's it credits it's it's really effective, but I think it's them thinking about the scene at the expense of the film. Yeah. I think I will say that. But that is about the only bad thing I'm going to say about the writers in this film, which is a miracle in itself. Yeah, I think this is one of the... Yeah, considering we pan them elsewhere in our in our shows. Yeah. And we've got... Well, actually, Spider-Man yeah, I rate them quite highly here, definitely. Well, we've got Spider-Man to come as well, and they're Ooh, Spider-Man. Want... Amazing yeah, Spider- looking forward to that. Their amazing Spider-Man 2 script is fucking awful. Um, even if you quite like that film, it, it, the script is just so far and away the worst thing about it. Mm. So, yeah, it, 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 but it's certainly, a, it's certainly a dramatic scene, let's put it that way. It, it works, but w- whether it needed it, I don't know. But, yeah, we, you know, we get the, um, shot. the mission of our school. We do need to give that. We need to, do need to actually make that point. She is shot at the end of this scene. Yeah. And he was like, "Bad luck. You loved her." <laughs> yeah. You uh, loved her, didn't you? <laughs> and straight into the music, which actually feels like Mission Impossible. Thank yeah, fuck. Yeah, it does. I, I love this. This is what I love about Giacchino. He just does. There's no messing around. Crack on it. You got. You got. You know. Probably the most most pure version of the theme that we've heard for a long time. Probably the closest to the TV series. Mm, definitely. What, what, not, not, not uh, heavy metal guitars? <laughs> not drum and bass. Well, unfortunately, and this was a bit sad, really, Limp Biscuit had gone a bit out of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, no wonder there were so many sad, depressed, gritty films out there. There was All the joy had gone out of the world. <laughs> Fred Durst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, so we, we cut straight to uh, the party, and uh, our Tom Cruise is the perfect guy. I This did piss me off slightly, He's but again, oh, I'm, yeah. again, I might be wrong, but I don't think I'm going to blame the writers here. I think this is a this is an overall artistic decision that yeah. I, I'd marry him. Oh, piss off. Tom, you're actually there. You know, you're involved in the, you know, you're involved in the creative, you know, process behind this film. Do you not cringe when people say things like that about you? <laughs> Evidently <I'm>... not. <laughs> you know, but you see, you know, it's, it is like, he is the architect of like, sort of, the, you know, the, the perfect guy that like, that, that, that girls just go like, oh my God, he's the ultimate catch. Like, yeah. like, like, he, you know, how is he, he? He's either got he's, something's got to be up. He's either like secretly married to someone else or gay. It's, got, <laughs> it's yeah. one of the two. Well, judging by the amount of running, <laughs> um, <laughs> I reckon. Um, Maybe he's got to get to each marriage in record time. Maybe that's why he's running. <laughs> yeah. Um. This film. This does set up one thing. I mean, firstly. It's reasonably wise to put a bit of family around her yeah. there. I mean, typically she's lost her father. That does seem to be a bit of a cliche of this sort of thing. But friends, and, and he's family. lost his he's lost his parents as well. Which which was like, oh, okay. Well, I thought his parents got arrested in the other, in the first film, but now they're supposed to be I can't dead. remember if they were. They might have been uncle and aunt. I'm not sure. Perhaps they were. I don't know. But yes, okay. Yes. I don't think I really noted that. I think the one thing in this scene where I think it was wise to seed it is he can lip read. Mm. The up the upper lips, that is. Well, this is what this is one of the, the things I think the film does well. It does set up and pay off. Because again, it's like this is even the small things, like you see him lip read and then yeah. and then it, it it plays off later on with um Billy Cooper's character, Musgrave. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I think that's quite effective. I, I was really just really minor things. It's not really relevant to anything, but I'm sat there and one of the women who's like, I'd marry him. I'm thinking, where have I seen her? And it was driving me crazy. And actually, it's since we've hit record tonight, Joey Tribbiani shagged her in Friends. She was a journalist, who t- or journalist. She was like worked for like TV Guide or something like that, <laughs> and she turned up to interview him, interview him about his role as Drake Ramore. And at the end, he nearly oh, yeah. fucks. At the end, he nearly fucks up because he he goes, oh, "Who watches such bunch of losers?" <laughs> and he has, he has to sleep with her to put it right. Yeah, but uh, not that relevant to anything. But I just thought I'd say. <laughs> I, I I was hoping it was the one where like you know he, he like he started dating a girl which like he he couldn't remember but sure he's been to the, the apartment so he must have like just I completely <laughs> forgot who you are but <laughs> yeah. yeah that's it that was a good episode actually whether you like or hate friends that was funny that bit there where he turns he's given her hell over the fact that how do you remember you didn't sleep with me and it was like a it was her flatmate or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where do we go from there? So, oh, he's... Um, where, how does he get the message that he needs to call in? Because he gets rid of advice to go to the store. What, where does that he, come he, from? He gets a phone call. It was like one of them, like, uh, sort of, you know... You, you know, the the, the uh, Mission Impossible lot, they just they give, like, really odd sort of, like, uh, sort of... Like phone calls doesn't mean anything. And in phone boxes, hello, I've offered you an all expenses paid trip to Mexico or something. 
No, but it's like, oh, 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 is this such, such, oh, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. So it's like, oh. Yeah. Oh, this is Steve. Can I speak to John or something like that? Mm. Yeah, well, he's told, yeah, it, it's some company. Yeah, that's it. And he ends up going down to, he actually basically has to throw all the ice away to get an excuse to just go down to the store. Yeah. To get some more ice and Biddy Crudup is there. Uh, he is engaged. It's worth pointing that out. It's um, yeah, it's an engagement party, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so Billy Crudup basically says, "What does he tell her? What does he tell Ethan?" Uh, he he basically sort of says like, um, uh, "Agent Farris has been captured." The the Kerry Russell character. Um, yeah. I couldn't remember whether he told him that or whether it's on the, it was on the, yeah. the tape. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, he, yeah. He, he explains he's you know it's like because he sort of to, to you know to pique his interest because he, obviously there's a connection between those 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 two. Thought you might want in, uh, and then then he, then Ethan says no. Um, kind of you know you got you got good people already for that, and he goes okay. We well, you change your mind and like knocks the camera. That's uh, right. So he, he ends up like getting the camera. Hey, well, we always mostly wonder. I wonder if like Ethan Ethan like sort of thought, no, nah, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> and then someone goes in, then someone walks in and buys a camera. I never. <laughs> or, or like, or maybe while they were chatting, got you know, just just after he's yeah. uh, he set up, someone's gone like, oh, I suppose we'll camera laugh that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then Mildred turns up in Berlin to try and rescue Kerry Russell. <laughs> Like, all right, dear. I saw, I saw, I saw your tape. <laughs> and, um, look, it's not something I've ever done before, but I'll have a go. <laughs> Bob was furious. We had friends coming round tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I never thought of that. What if he just left it? <laughs> what? What if he didn't get a hint of thought? It was like a like a sly little dig. It goes like, oh fuck you. Uh, I'm not gonna. Get- yeah, anyway. Uh... Or he's just been out of the field so long, he doesn't twig. He just goes, <laughs> what's he left the camera there? Oh, well, some folk are weird. Bye. Kodak not buying that nonsense. I'm going... <laughs> yeah, so what's on the what's on the, what's on on the the tape? Or it, the... It, yeah, it's basically the mission where they set up, like, you know, um, the uh, Split Zoom Hoffman character, Owen Davian. Right. Uh, so, like, sort of, this one, she's last seen in Berlin. Uh, I've already assembled your team for you. You'll you'll meet at like a thing, you know that kind of thing. It's basically sort of outlining the mission. Um, the, the way he gets that information is quite fun. It's on that disposable camera, isn't it? Yeah. But I've got a fun fact about that later on in the show. Just like shoehorn that. In. <laughs> okay. Stay tuned for that. So yeah, um, yeah and then and then yeah, he so he kind of thinks well I'm not sure he kind of thinks about it for a bit and then he tells like oh I've got to go on uh, he tells Julia you know last minute conference meeting you know I'm going to be out, out of town for a couple of days or whatever um, and then he meets up with the gang essentially the gang the gang's all here yeah with, Luth- with Luther and uh, the other two Luther, Luther Henry the Eighth and Maggie Q. <laughs> yeah, Maggie yeah. Q. She was a big star. What yeah, was she, she best known for? She well, she did the TV show of Nikita. Yes. And she's. I in, never saw it. I saw and, the film, obviously. And she's in uh, Designate Survivor. Uh, she's also the henchwoman in the the fourth Die Hard film. 
That's oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Still. <laughs> Somebody had to be, I suppose. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I mean she, she's all. not bad, though. I mean, she, you know, she she does a very decent job, I think, but um, she's just not in that that many good films, sadly. She's but, really underused, though, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, she looks good. She looks the part. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it was, it was one of the ones I thought, oh, I wish... <laughs> I wish they used her more. You know, I wish she like popped up in in other ones because I think. But anyway, never mind. So they're there to extract Kerry Russell, who's kidnapped, and they also grab a couple of um, laptops while they're there. Yeah. Um, and... Again, like most of the action in this film, decent. Yeah, it's just about basically a big shoot up in a warehouse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And everything seems to go off out hitch when uh, Kerry Russell starts. You know, having having like a a bit of a migraine. Ooh, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of Do that that's, again. That's the artistic choice I would have made had I been acting yeah. a headache. Oh, that that and part that and uh, as well as the the drives end up getting um, you know blown up a bit because of you know. All that reality I brought to the headache impression there, and you're straight onto the rest of the plot. You didn't even stop to consider how fucking brilliant that was. I thought I thought it was genius, but you know, I thought I thought I'd, I'd understate it by uh, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, yeah, uh, I, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to like ruin it by like. Uh, I do think of the action in this film being very at night. I, I whenever I picture the action in this film, it's at night. Even though you've got that whole scene at the. Um, Vatican coming up, and on the bridge, they get, yeah, they get it. They get her out anyway, uh, but she's like, "Ooh, it hurts!" Right? <laughs> that one's free as well. <laughs> You're welcome. It's like every time I get a message now, it now goes, "Ooh, it hurts!" It's like it's like having a ringside seat, but anyway, right? <laughs> um, and then there's a bit of a helicopter chase. Yeah, and this is all really really good, but uh, and it's really fucking tense because they've got to basically mm. uh, shock her to short circuit the charge so they go basically kill her and bring her back which is high stakes in itself but every time they're about to do it they're under attack or the other helicopter's got a lock on i think it's pretty good yeah and they're flying through like them well, you know the them sort of the the, the wind Winds. Wind farm. It's yeah. a wind farm. Oh, not windmills. It's not fucking Holland. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's wind farm. Yeah, they're wearing clogs. And, um, I'm I'm just looking up Kerry Russell because I'm, I'm trying to get a feel for how big a star she was at this point. She wouldn't have been massive, but was she known? She probably best known for Felicity, which was also JJ. JJ. Yeah, um, she was in We Were Soldiers. Um, she would have been. Yes, uh, was waitress been made? No, waitress is after this. Oh, okay, it's only the next year, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I remember being like a new face at the time. Like she was like a, a, a like a fresh new. Yeah, yeah. She'd have been when this film came out. She'd have just turned thirty, so she wasn't really really young. Um, but yeah, she would have been known. She would have been known to lots of the audience, mm. particularly as there would have been people who'd have gone who like J.J. Abrams' work, who would have gone to check it out because it's J.J. Abrams. So yeah. Um, so, which makes what hap- happened it felt like a shock I wasn't expecting it when it first happened we've had no we've got no context that she's definitely going to be killed here have we 
no, no, not initially. But those two when it happened, I was like, oh, okay. I, I, I kind of like, oh, it's like one of them things, is it? Okay. Uh, no, I'm, 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 sorry, I'm I good. switched it off, went cried silently for a couple of hours. <laughs> oh, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was surprised though. I wasn't expecting it, particularly as the state of her eyes afterwards is like, oh, yeah. that's what a grim way to die. Yeah, and she it's really not sells present, the agony it? she's in before it happens. Though, though, yeah, you, though you, you can actually like sort of tell whenever a character says like sort of thank you. Or no, that was that again. That was like no, don't say that because once again, it's aren't isn't Tom amazing? <laughs> and you've just signposted you're out of time. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like it's that like, yeah. You might as well sort of like say, when this war's over, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to retire to a farm and and then, yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, I do hope my girl Millie's there waiting. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, so she dies and sort of has a grey eyeball, which looks painful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that really freaked me out. I must say. And then um, Morpheus chews them out, basically. <laughs> yeah, he, he turns up and he's like, "Who was the Who was your boss in the last film?" And they're like, "Anthony Hopkins." And he's like, "All oh, right, okay." Hey, he says, <laughs> right? um, you know, just to fit in. <laughs> that, that was more like Henry Winkler, the fun star. <laughs> yeah, so this is all right though. It's a good scene. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he basically chews him outside. Basically, it was a shoddy mission, you know. You like a day that that bomb could have could have like wiped both you, you and the, you know, could have wiped her out and the whole team out. You'd think to yeah. sort of scan before you, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and he's just basically laying into him big, and then, and then he sort of you know lays on Owen Davin quite thick as well. So. Um, yeah, I didn't. Um, if I'm honest, I don't. I cannot put my mind back to when I first saw this as to whether I worked out Billy Crudup or not. It does seem obvious to me now, but I don't know if it was obvious at the time. I, I at, at the time, as in like yeah. when I first watched it at the cinema, I knew. Yeah. I as soon as they established there was a mole, and and then then it's like he was like the first guy. I mean, it wasn't going to be Morpheus because that was just too obvious. That's the point. It's never the it's never the one that we're strongly hinting no. it's going to be. And so I, and, I, and, I, and I watch him. it now, and it doesn't make any sense for it to be him anyway. It's just like, well, that does doesn't add up, you know. What with what Morpheus, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, it's like, well, there's, there's nothing that sets that up. It's just like, oh, we just Again, that. Wait for it break helps him break out later. I'm like, is that Orsi and Kurtzman being Orsi and Kurtzman? They've done something short term for the yeah. scene that doesn't work. But of course. It actually works for Davian to have Ethan out on the street at this point. Yeah. So all the things that are, are just their normal error rate, if you like, doesn't really apply here. They, they've done this okay. But yeah, I, I I watch it now and I think it's bloody obviously him. But I, I don't know if I got it at the time or not. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I as soon as he sort of did the, the mouthing bit, or yeah. where he's like when 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 Cruz is uh, captured and look, looking down, I was like, no, it's him, definitely him. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, we have the funeral with sunglasses, looking moody and mournful, but yeah, fashionable. It, uh, all I could think of was Rocky Four. <laughs> it, remind, it reminded me of Apollo's funeral. 
I just thought he was going to like put the championship belt on the grave, you know what I mean? I mean... I'm going to miss her, she made me smeal mainly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I get maybe like you know in America and, and other countries, right? Be, being outdoors and a funeral, you got that get the heavy sun. I imagine you might yeah. need shades. Maybe it's because I'm English, but somehow wearing chains at a funeral just seems like a dick thing to do. I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's just a British thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bermuda shorts, fine. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that was the only other bit. There were, I said someone monologued at one point, and I thought that's also Ian Kurtzman. We do get a little bit of the sort of um, uh, training speech. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm, I was listening to it, and I was going, yep, yeah, that's all Ian Kurtzman. Utterly fucking meaningless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, but, yeah. And, 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 then, and then we'll say the, the, the Federation Oath. Space. Yes. <laughs> the the worst example is Gwen Stacy's speech at um, graduation in the Amazing Spider-Man Two. She talks an enormous amount of bollocks, but it all sounds really like wise. Yeah, and it's like and this, empowering. This, and... this is giving the film nothing. It's just you're in love with your own writing, which isn't actually that good. But um, yeah, no, it's okay though. But there's yeah, there's a funeral, and then what? Uh, funeral uh, Cruz gets a call um... oh I, we, we do have to add one thing Kerry Russell does not know his cover story that he works in transportation yeah he's a civil yeah, servant yeah she doesn't find out until she well doesn't know. later in the day when he comes home from the mission um, and he's clearly upset something's happened he has to play it off as a bit distracted if you like yeah and um, we she does he can't tell her but she's very supportive so again she's a decent type yeah. Uh, yeah, he gets a phone call saying like, "Oh, like um, you've like," he, which is basically the Kerry Russell character like le- left him um, uh, something yeah, in the mail. Yeah, saying there's there's some mail for him at a post office box address. Yeah. And when he goes to it, it's a postcard from her with a micro dot under the mm-hmm. stamp, isn't it? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and then um, and what's that? Yeah, uh, Luther. <laughs> He gets Luther to look at it, and he's like, well, it's just nothing there yet. It's just a blank dot. Um, yeah. And, and so... then he's like, did you fuck her? <laughs> that scene was a bit like, what? No, that doesn't... No, I don't... No. He, his job, literally, towards the end, was training people. Yeah. He trained her. She's died. Your first reaction to a character who's never really been a womanizer is, did you shag her? That doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I it might have been a hangover from, like another script or something because again because yeah. it just got me thinking like we have no attachment to the, the Kerry Russell character at all yeah. and I was just thinking like you know I'm, I mean, I'm not saying you know it would have been that much of a good idea but let's just say that if it was like Tandy Newton and like that would have made yeah. more sense that oh he brought her in she's now an agent and then and then he, he wanted out and that's how they went the separate ways and whatever they ended mutually and then she ended up dying on the mission so therefore yeah. he feels that shit would like oh that ties very well we have a connection we we understand that and there would have yeah. been a bit a bit that that sexual complexity to it so it just feels like it it just feels like oh right well we have to have like some sort of established no 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 she's a little sister well that now just makes me more doubtful you know I mean I think it I think what it was is they were trying to write in and you uh, and you never banged your little sister yeah like, what did you stick that line in for you idiots. 
but yeah. Yeah, okay. I think they were just trying to establish what the relationship was between them. Yeah. Because we we obviously we saw none of it. <laughs> um, but anyway. Okay. It's it's not film breakingly bad though. It no, 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 and it's not because it, it it it's it's done and over. We move on to uh, Simon Pegg. Becca, please know. Yeah. It was quite yeah, disturbing. I like Simon to... Pegg. I do like yeah, him. Yeah, it was quite disturbing here, obviously, because since this is all. Since this, this is thing. chubby Simon Pegg still as well. Well, it? it's the fact that in recent years Simon Pegg has like opened up about spells of depression and drinking. Um, I, I think he's not had a drink since around the time of Ghost Protocol. Again, I haven't seen Ghost Protocol again yet, so I'll read around it and I may happen across this story. And if I happen across it, I'll tell that story because I'm sure he says something about when he was on the set of Ghost Protocol. But anyway he went through quite a depressive spell and he said he was drinking too much. Now it must've been fairly bad because he doesn't drink at all. Now, once you get no, to the stage, now, isn't he? yeah, when you get to the stage where it becomes tea, you know, I ought to go teetotal, then it really was a problem. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when you see him really chubby in this, I'm thinking, yeah, this, this is like the peak drinking years. Cause this is, this is as out of shape as I've ever seen him. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, the thing is, that with the Benji character now, we're used to him. He's in all it the films. He doesn't look like unwell, though. They just, you know, you just kind of see him from the waist up, and he's wearing think, lots of layers. Well, and, alcohol you know. is alcohol um, shows in your face. Yeah. When you talk talk about where you gain weight, then he's got he's got the beard as well. Alcohol yeah. bloats your face out. Um. So it, there was that. I don't know what I thought about it when I first saw it now, because I'm used to Benji being part of the team, and he is essentially comic relief. He's mm. something that on paper shouldn't work, but I would argue he does. Yeah, he really does, definitely. But going back to here, where he's not in the field at all, and it's a couple of cameos, almost like Tom Cruise's in George Shaun of the Dead. So let's put him in. The, let's put that funny British guy in. I, did this did this great or jar? I don't know. I really don't know. And I can't put myself back in that mindset now because it's been too long. Do you guys remember? Was this like really odd first on first viewing? Not particularly. It was just because like Simon Pegg started to become popular, so it was like it. It wasn't out of the bounds to be like the the nerdy scientist guy in the office somewhere. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like oh right, well that this yeah it wasn't like it wasn't like Benji was on in the field, was it? So yeah. it. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't that jarring, quite frankly. But yeah, okay. um, I can't really remember now. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to tell when you're trying to reflect back. There wasn't a lot of time. But yeah, he's the guy that's basically got to try and get something off the damaged yeah. computer. Because that was another thing uh, Morpheus had a go up them about. Crispy, went, I believe. Went, hey, crispy, <laughs> right? Crispy. And um... crispy like my chicken. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um... <laughs> Um, he does say like and as for those you got out crispy was the word that that was used to describe them in other words it's useless yeah but I don't know what they get off it now I can't remember now he gets something doesn't he yeah he he gets a few key data data. he gets something about the uh, he gets some some emails uh, about like trying to buy uh, something called the rabbit's foot yeah Uh, (laughs) and it was like you know about like sort of a few about moving some high, 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 high amounts of money for, for this rabbit's foot, and that that he'll be eight hundred and fifty million dollars, and that he'll be in the Vatican. Well, that's pretty key. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's like so they managed to get like a key bit of information they knew so they kind of know where where he is and you have the you know he, he's quite a memorable idea for Peg when he gives the uh, the speech about which to kind of justify the whole rabbit's foot thing you know he says like oh we know what my old professor said such a, such and such that would uh, end 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 the world so when I see something like like a lot of shady people spending this amount of money I just assume it'll be you know. The, de- the anti-god or whatever so yeah okay and that's all we need to know yeah and um, benji went to oxford so he's got to be fairly smart that's the, you know it has the, yeah. they make a note of it's oxford university he's been basically to oxbridge so um yeah so they've got to put a team together to go to um the vatican yeah um and it's like again that setup you get before every mission where it someone they drop into dialogue that it genuinely is impossible yeah. This number of acres with a wall and you know that amount of foot you know cameras everywhere and so on and he says I need 30 seconds. And uh, they they go under the radar, don't they? They go rogue. Uh they do. Although when it goes well Billy Crudup claims he knows about it. That's yeah. the, that's clue number 2. Um yeah, so basically they turn up uh, Jonathan Reese Mayers and uh, Tom Cr- and by well, Nathan. I don't know Jonathan Reese Mayer's character name. Hang on, let's have a look. It is Declan. Declan Gormley. See, that's totally unmemorable. But he, um, yeah, they turn up in, as sort of Italian delivery men or something. They're in a van and they fake a breakdown so that they can block all the traffic so they've got free access to a section of the wall to the Vatican. Now, I like to picture that any uh, anyone Italian watching this film is like is is uh, listening to uh, them talk Italian and thinking I don't understand a word of that. Yeah, are they? <laughs> I, do, I do think is it authentic? Is, yeah, are they meant to be? It probably is Italian because like he's he's Mister Verisimilitude. Yeah. He will make sure the words are right. But like, have they are they even close on the accent? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And I just like to think about well, what they're saying is utter gibberish, like 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 uh, Joey Tribbiani talking French. Like, just make a just make a bunch of sounds of words that sound Italian. Hey, oh. <laughs> but it's like one of those things. Like, do they have? Do they do it with the right yeah. as well? <laughs> <laughs> they do it with the right Roman accent. Okay. The gist is they've got to get they 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 yeah. separate off section of the wall. Uh, they basically short circuit the cameras. And he climbs the wall, or he basically scales yeah. the wall anyway, and then puts basically a picture in front of the camera from the camera of what they're going to see. Yeah. So they, yeah, he basically puts something back in the way. So yeah, he gets, and then he jumps down into it, and immediately he's dressed as a priest. <laughs> and actually, Tom Cruise trained for about a year to be a priest. I did think of that when he was doing this. So yeah, it's at the seminary. Uh, at the same time, Maggie. It does suit Q, him oddly, doesn't it? It does kind of suit him, yeah. <laughs> he. Um, so what does Maggie Q do? She turns up in some sports car. She's like a guest at the. Yeah. Like, um, event she is. drives a really nice car. It, it's it's actually really nice. I, I do like the way this whole thing is set up. She had to see a Tom Cruise. He he jumps the wall. Well, uh, well that's, that's where I said it felt like a TV episode. All the t- I mean, you wouldn't have the action, but it is. Yeah. You go do this, and then you do. While I'm doing that, you do this. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. So uh, De- uh, Declan Gormley, or whatever his name is, uh, he just he, doesn't work, does he, it? He he dresses as a 
a tourist, you know. And then, and then uh, Tom Cruise sort of sort of sneaks in, sneaks him in. He he goes in, he he goes in to sort of break in uh, Maggie Q as just as, as a as a security guard. Um, yeah. Uh, Luther is comes comes in uh, or scuba divey. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so they all like cover up in the, on the wall there. There you got Maggie Q. She's she's like on the ground, sort of there to make sure that Damien go, gets. Yeah. To... When you think when you think back to the first film, she he's um she's basically Kristen Scott Thomas. Yeah. From yeah. the first mission. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interact with this person. Kristen Scott Thomas had to put a marker on the guy. She has to basically spill a drink on him. Hmm. It's really effective. It's it's probably the it's probably the strongest bit of the film. Yeah, in terms of like getting the mission together. Yeah, yeah I, I think I've, I think it worked really well. I mean, apart from like having to overemphasize the mask stuff, I think like yeah. setting up the mask just seems like a lot of hard work. But oh, just a bit too complex. Though you do have that scene where you got Tom Cruise putting on the face of. Um, Owen Davian. Yeah, Owen Davian. And you have Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Tom Cruise. It's just a bit odd. It'd be, you know, but I think it's yeah. going to show how good of actor Philip Seymour Hoffman is. Cause... I was waiting for the join and then I watched it again. There isn't a join. It was never Tom Cruise. Yeah. Ah. There's a bit where I'm, I'm going, okay, when does it swap between the two? And it doesn't. It's it... it's just Philip Seymour Hoffman with a couple of bits of prosthetic on his face. That well, it's kind of is it quite well because it's kind of done. It's filmed in, I can say in the round. But that's not the right terminology. Um, um, on a kind of like a, on a on a dolly basically, isn't it? And there's kind of like a scene where you kind of see them from I don't know probably the waist or the shoulders up, I guess. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of like a there, there is a cut definitely, so you can. There is kind of a join, but there isn't sort of a join. Oh, oh yeah, it's... all right. I was waiting for the join long after the join, is what I mean. Mm. Yeah, there's a, there's an edit. There's but a bit where I'm going, where did you miss it? But it's like, oh, it's already happened. It happened ages ago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, th- I think it's fantastic. It's one of those, you know, and this the series was known for using lots of disguises, um, and we've seen that in the in the last two films as well. And again, this is one of the quite revealing moments <laughs> that I think we, we tend to. We, we're kind of moving away from that now and towards the big action pieces slash you know stunt scenes that the series is named for now. This is one of the best bits of the film, and actually, I would yeah. say it's probably one of the better set pieces of the series. I would, yeah, um, I would totally agree there. Definitely, yeah, I remember seeing this really at the cinema. Oh my god, you're right about the masks. And again, I, I've said I'm not going to ding on them, and I'm slowly dinging on them here and there. But if they've got one other flaw, those this pair of writers, they over-explain every fucking thing. And it doesn't surprise me that if one writing partnership are going to go, and then this works, and it, and then it works like this, and then this happens, and if you're not sure, we'll show you this bit again. They do do that a little bit, but it's it's not. It's far from a fatal flaw. This is all done really well. It's, yeah, I, I, I do really like the the whole how everything, how the mission just. I mean, it's not like it goes off without a hitch. They they have their their troubled moments, but yeah. it all seems to work really well, and it's all executed like you know. They, 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 they grab Damien and, and Tom and Ethan Hunt, Ethan Hunt walk, walks out as Owen Damien like you know it just work, it just goes off like you know without a hitch and walks off with Maggie Q pretending that they're about to get hook, hooked up it's yeah it's it, it just sort of seems to work just smoothly um, and then yeah they, they jet off on a, on a speedboat 
um, after blow after seemingly faking his death as well. Which tells us one of the creative team behind this film must have won Bullseye at some point <laughs> because they they had a speedboat handy. Well, yeah, what good is it going to be for anyway? So um, anyway, yeah. So our North American listeners will miss. Go and look up Bullseye. It's an 80s British game show that is just the bizarrest, stupidest fucking idea in the world. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, if you ever watched a game of darts for this would be good for a game show. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's like mullets galore on the, on the show because like, it's a lower, slightly yeah. lower demographic. But also, um, every week, the prize seemed to be, it wasn't, but more often than not, it seemed to be a speedboat was like the grand prize, that... which is brilliant when you're two middle-aged blokes in the mid- living in the Midlands, nowhere near water. I, I forget, oh, you know, well, my girlfriend watches Bullseye countlessly all the time, whenever I go, she loves watching like the old episodes. Really? Uh, and yeah, the amount of times it's like... On? <laughs> on challenge. Though, though apparently, though apparently they're bringing it back. I'm used to not tonight, darling. I've got a headache. I'm not used to. Sorry, I'm watching Bullseye. <laughs> she just loves Jim Bowen. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> can't beat a bit of bully. Uh, <laughs> Alright. But yeah, no. You, but the 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 quite often office is usually like a holiday, a car. But that's the thing where it's like two like random like blokes who are like who are mates. So like they get to share a car together. It's like how's that going to work? Like yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. But honestly, you get two blokes from Birmingham, but it would never be Birmingham. It would be some slightly disappointing town down the road. It'll be, it'll be Burnley. It'll be, yeah. uh, and they, and and then they, they win a speedboat, and it's like they're just not the demographic or geographically suited to getting out and about in speedboats. But there you go. Yeah. Anyway, so. Um, so anyway, bullseye yeah. hunt. <laughs> Um, what well, one thing we did forget to mention? Um, Ethan and Julie do get married. At, yeah, at a hospital, no less. Have we got to that bit yet? Yeah, yeah we 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 jumped out because before he goes on the the Vasca mission. Um, the the, the, the only thing I, I did notice, and I, I don't know whether it's again a she British says, thing. Is this real? Yeah, yeah, it's almost like she's got doubts because something's going on with him, and it's never played as a lack of trust. It's always played as. You know, no, I believe in you, but I just have to ask: is is something wrong? Is there something I don't know about here? And uh, obviously, he proves it by just marrying her. <laughs> That's how you do it. Isn't that just like the same thing as saying telling the chick that I, I love you, just just yeah. to reassure her, but just like, on a grander that scale? Been, that would have been easier. <laughs> um. He'll be anyway, when he realizes, like, oh, well, I only have to say that. Oh, bollocks! I mean, I mean, no, they 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 get married in some sort of like you know office in, in the hospital somewhere. Married by like a hospital chapel, uh, chaplain or whatever. Anyway, yeah, they got married. They bought like you know sort of you know bunny rings or whatever. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, so we're back on the plane. We get the the scene that's like was in all the trailer, you know, with. Uh, with Cruz, you know, interrogating uh, Damien. Uh, Threatening to push him off the plane. Yeah. yeah. And that that pushes Cruz to sort of almost kill him, almost. You know, it's like, this is not you, Ethan, as Luther would say. 
Yeah, but the thing, whenever they've done that since, it's always played as like part of their tactics. Yeah. Because you get that at the start of Fallout. No, Ethan, you know, and Ethan's like supposedly lost it. Well, I would hazard a guess that a good 70 to 80% of viewers watching that scene in Fallout would know that's just a tactic. There'd be a few that would go, shit, is he going to? But like, majority would know it's a tactic. Here, it, I think it's played, it, they're attempting to play it for real. Yeah, like, it's. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it's like, yeah, Tom Cruise is pissed. Like, Ethan Hunt is, like, no, I, I, I'm serious, but I think he, he, I think, I think he, he knows not to drop him. Yeah, but he's not, he's not gonna sort of mess around. He's not gonna sort. He's gonna take the safety kids off, uh, safety kids, safety gloves off for it. <laughs> <laughs> safety kids. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just imagine like a superhero group of. of... Teenagers or like primary school children. Well, the safety kids. <laughs> yeah, that just sounds like a name, like teaching aid at schools. You watch a video starring the safety kids. Don't run with the scissors. Oh, yeah. don't give them ideas. Uh... I'm always. I- I'm thinking also it could have been some sort of placebo for Michael Jackson. Can't we just get him a? Safety... <laughs> Can't we just get him a safety kid? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. No offense. I think that's a brilliant concept. Yes, brilliant. <laughs> Don't run with this. Wasn't a concept. He said the wrong thing. <laughs> Chris hasn't just invented the safety kid. Also, I, no, I, I, no, I'm not going to say what I'm going to say. I've got, I've got this idea. Safety kids. <laughs> <laughs> Well, get kids into safety. I'm, this is really important, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm copyrighting that. Anyway, um... Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chris, you're magical. Hey, magical. <laughs> so, Don't uh... Don't tell that to Chris when she's watching Bullseye. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the, then we go to the the, the bridge uh, part. Now, the, the action's actually moving pretty well. There's actually... There seems yeah. to be, like, action scene, action scene, action scene. Major license to kill vibe off this. Yeah, I was gonna say, have we seen this location before? A little bit of True Lies as well. Definitely, especially with the whole. You know... Doesn't feel stolen from either, by the way. No. If you, you know, eventually you, you're going to happen on things that look a bit like something else, but it isn't unlike Sanchez being sprung, although it's a much higher octane version of it. Yeah, well, it's like you know, an action scene on a bridge. Yeah, and you have like you know, absolute airstrike type thing. Yeah. Um... So basically, it's. Owen Davian being sprung. Yeah. Um, and we don't need to say that much about it, really, do we? What do we think of the action generally? Uh, I just, I just not sure why. Once Tom Cruise took, takes out the the drone, I don't know why he, he he bothers to sort of jump over over like the other side of the bridge when he's like he's already got a gun. The 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 helicopter's like dead on. Why don't you just sort of take shots from there? I don't understand why he bothers to get closer he probably thought this will look cooler <laughs> yeah, do you, do you, yeah do you know what I mean it's like uh, yes you know. absolutely I had the same thought um, it's like because you, you, you can actually see it it's actually it's, it's already in your line of shot you just take a shot now <laughs> yeah I've never I think with a lot of this film, in I fact you got the... like head on with the pilot as well you could like you sort of day I'll well, just hit the pilot done <laughs> 
Well, I've often thought watching this film, have I just been spoiled by what comes next? You know, this isn't the Burj Khalifa, this isn't hanging off the side of a plane, etc. Yeah. But I don't think I was wildly overexcited by it at the time. I think like a lot of action in this film, it's it's all right. Yeah. It's okay. It's got a reasonable amount of scale. Obviously, we can tell that the scale has ramped up slightly because it was a big deal that Tom Cruise for real was slammed into the side of a car because that was in all the trailers. Yeah. That is saying, look what this guy's done here. And it, it's not that impressive a stunt now. But it's fine. But anyway, he's been sprung. Then what? Uh, you have Julia at the hospital, don't you? You have, uh, yeah, cause you have, um, what's his face from Breaking Bad? You know, the, the the guy just can't wait, you know, to be Tom Cruise's brother. He, yeah. he he goes and sort of asks some random English dude just showed about um, asking after. So I told I told him where your wife is. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, that just seems like the quite a stupid thing to do. It's like I random stranger shows up at your house yeah. and you go, oh yeah, yeah. oh, I I just I just I just tell I just tell you where my sister works, shall I? Yeah. I never understand that in these things that you'll have a couple of siblings and like one of them is always like really together, smart, good at what they do, good career and one's always a complete piss pot. Yeah. And I think, well, that does happen in life. I know it does because like I've known people who've got brothers or sisters that are just awful for whatever reason. But like that doesn't, most families, that's not true. Like if one of the family's pretty decent the siblings are all pretty decent and they all have like a somewhat similar level of intelligence so that never quite plays to me when you get like, the stoner brother or whatever but it's okay it's absolutely <coughs> fine but yeah it obviously we have to bring julia back into play that's one of the main reasons for having her here yeah um and it, it plays okay but yeah i, I was I know the next major set piece is Shanghai, but I just was struggling with what is that now the bit that prompts all that. In the interim, we know Billy Crudup it takes credit for the mission where they've captured mm. him anyway. Yeah. So that that's that's a big clue. He's problems. He's a problem. So so Tom Cruise is like he's basically running to the hospital, running, running, and lots of running. Yeah. Um. To 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 get to her while she gets kidnapped. Uh, and he's too late, and we see lots of lens flare. I did notice that, but I was looking for it all the way through the film, yeah. and we only really see it once. But then JJ really only thought of lens flare in response to it was part of his pitch for Star Trek. The future is so bright. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was almost like he clearly likes it, but as a stylistic tick, it came about in that series almost because of what he pitched. So I wouldn't expect to see a mountain of lens flare. The only thing I did notice that was very JJ, just going back to the start of the film uh, briefly, JJ's very, very good at dogfights. He's very, very good at, you know, you've got the two aeroplanes, the two helicopters chasing each Mm. other. Um, And he did something similar in in Darkness ain't a very good film, but that's got a decent dogfight in it. Um, And The Force Awakens does as well very early in the film. So, you know, there's certain action set pieces he's very very good at and that's one of them but um yeah so julia's basically been taken yes yes and uh and then he and then tom cruise gets kidnapped by his agency because obviously he's Just like as he finds out yeah this is quite tense isn't it yeah he's he's he's, he's on, on a ticking clock that you've got to do this 
and he's captured just as that happens, really. Yeah. Yeah, so he's put into lockdown. And at this point, he's already seen... Has he seen He's seen what's on the microdot? And it's that... Um, yeah, on, on route, or during, like, uh, before the attack, they, they find out that um, the Kerry Russell character sort of had a, a call from the office thinking it was Morpheus. So she suspects yeah. I'm being set... It's possibly Morpheus working with... Uh, Davian, and, and I think I'm being set up. Yeah, and the thing is, it's played quite well because it's not an incompetent thing to think. It it does make sense why she thinks that. Yeah. So it's not, oh, you idiot, of course it's not him. So, yeah, that, that all works really well. But, yeah, so at this point, the film is trying to tell us that he's the mole. I don't think we ever buy that. No. Um, because, yeah, because he's... We see him looking looking down him, uh, and again he's like he, he does make the point like sort of like he says like you can look at me with those like you know judgmental eyes or all you want, but she's like I will bleed on the flag, you know. So he's basically declaring he's a patriot, yeah. and that does not sound like something that someone who's just the shot of him that... coming into focus. I did expect him to say welcome to the real world. <laughs> it is like it's, it, it is like that bit in the Matrix, but um. He, yeah, there. The film is trying to sell it to us because I mean, when when Billy Crudup says about, yeah, no, the mission was my idea, and he's like, I'd like to see that intel. Yeah, and it is like, oh, you 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 sly one. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm not buying this. Yeah, and I'm not buying it here either. But the film is trying to, but that could be a million and one things, not just script. It could be the way it's played. It could be anything, but we don't quite buy it. Um, but obviously the whole lip reading thing comes back into play. He's 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 tied down basically Hannibal Lecter style, isn't he? Yeah. At this point. Um, e and um, <laughs> I'll stop that now. He's um. <laughs> oh yes, Anthony Hopkins and you know and his infamous performance of Hannibal Lecter. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> It comes from, it comes from Thor, actually, but there you go. Um, <laughs> it was you that pointed it out. I'd never even noticed. <laughs> but you're not king! <laughs> I hadn't noticed, truly. I hadn't, and then you pointed that out, and all I can ever hear when I see him now is, Hey! Hey! It's a bit, it's a bit like the first time you notice Brosnan narrows his eyes and purses his lips. Yeah. It's like you can get through years of thinking he's a good Bond and being alright with that, and then you notice it and it absolutely ruins it. <laughs> so, oh, brilliant. Fuck. <laughs> um, it's a, the other one was uh, Angus Deaton when he used to do um, Have I Got News For You. Every time he said something that was meant to be funny, he'd suck in air through pursed lips. So he'd go, so and so, so and so. And it was just like, once you notice it, that it ruins it completely. But anyway. Yeah, it's like you, you can't unsee well, it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, I think it's, like, it's just when people just have the thing they do. You know, it's, it's yeah. like that's how they do it. It's, it's almost like the, um, what was it, the, the BBC4 comedy thing where they always have that sort of. And then they go, oh, tell a joke. And then they'll do the punchline. And then yeah. they'll set up the joke. And then they'll do, you know, it's that kind of. It's that rhythm, I guess. Yeah, it's a bit like Taika Waititi, isn't it? Wide-angle lens, comedy <laughs> twos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
so this leads them to he's basically told he's got so yeah he breaks out because he's the lip what does what is he told on the lip reading uh that you know uh, forgot these uh you know in, in shanghai found out where the, he found out where the rabbit he found out where the rabbit's foot is and it's in yeah. shanghai right and, it, and he and he think he sort of slips him a, a bunch of stuff um and then yeah tom cruise manages to escape yeah big fight in a lift and yeah he's out and yeah tom cruise is out (laughs) well (laughs) careful he's very litigious um (laughs) so yeah they've got to go he escapes and they travel to shanghai him declan whatever maggie keeps characters called and luther um it, it, that Musgrave is involved in that. It's under the cover of another operation, basically. Yeah. Um, and they've basically got to get the rabbit's foot out of this building, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damon says, like, you know, he's obviously he's got Julie got like X amount of time before we kill her, so you have to get the rabbit's foot. So we, we, by the time we get to Shanghai, they're like planning the mission. It's like we've got about two hours. Right. To actually complete the mission, and it's basically one of the best. One of the best ticking clocks I've ever seen because they like lose the signal right near the end. We'll come back to it, but like he, he's got about five seconds, and it really is just a lost signal. And in this era, that's not a big fucking shock with the cell phone network. Yeah. So like it's all that's all kind of plausible actually. Uh, not much of the tech in this film is is yet plausible, but that that was. So yeah, he's got to get into the building. I like the fact he's work, he's working it out with complicated maths on the window. Yeah, he's I drawing it. Or the window. He, he's drawing it and going like, "Yeah, well, that'll do. I can just." <laughs> yeah, it's 162 feet, Ethan. Like, oh, sorry, I'll base jump. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, yeah, but there was a good look of desperation in his eye as well, where he's like thinking, like, you know. Yeah, because he does. He does the. Um, he does. He does the Ross Kemp swallow. Right. Oh, <laughs> Whenever Ross, I used to watch EastEnders decades ago. I don't watch it anymore. But um, Ross Kemp, if he was like being sincere or like was heartfelt, he he pause, look down, and then swallow. And Tom Cruise does that here, where he's like, Is... I'll, "I'll be dead, and uh, she'll be dead, and so will I be." And Very sincere. Yeah. But he's, he is good. He is good. I'm not really knocking him. I just noticed it as like an affectation I've seen somewhere else. Well, actually, the bit I like is when he sort of like you know, checks the watch and the time is uh, 8 8 oh what? 8 and kind of shakes his head a little bit. 8 oh 2. We have. <laughs> you know, it's just mm. that little nice little touch. Um, so they've got to get into the. They've got to get into the. They've got to get into a building, and the only way to get into it is to get into it from another building, which means yeah. creating a fulcrum. And this is not as well shot as it would be now. Both Brad Bird and Christopher McQuarrie would have come up with something a little bit more inventive in shot making. Because I swear, this this almost looks like a composite of set and CG, and it probably yeah. isn't. Yeah, I think I think this probably would have been like the main selling point of the film. Yeah, yeah, this is like the big had, set piece, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Whereas they thought, they thought it was Tom Cruise being smacked into that car. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Um, but yeah, I know this. You know, I mean, Shanghai looks great as well. Um, it's got phases to it. This film has a sort of a blue. I don't mean Zoolander, by the way, but it's got like a blue steel look to it a lot. This film. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's got a very sort of 
chromey color palette and it really shows up here it looks very high contrast yeah it really does and um especially on the blu-ray i like the fact it, in fact it has um what's the word it, it, it has phases this action sequence you know there's the first bit he's got to do and then that bit goes wrong so that leads him into a second phase where yeah. uh, and eventually he comes crash you know he's he's tight for a base jump anyway because it's not high enough and then he comes crashing out of a window that's three or four floors further down you know and then there's like a slightly comedic bit where he goes crashing through a window and makes eye contact with someone but again it's not really bad. It isn't. He's in a hurry to get home or anything like that. It, <laughs> it, it's it. It works really, really well. So the pacing of this is very good, and that's one thing I think JJ's really good at anyway. Yeah, just definitely. pacing. Definitely. I mean, you go straight from this to like you know an action chase scene, don't you? So yeah, and it's all you yeah. know. As you said, it comes like you know down to the wire in terms of like you know ticking ticking clock almost. Um, yeah, you got you got that kind of time. And then at Time one point it, he's, chasing, he's chasing this presumably chemical weapon across the street as it's yeah. rolling off the floor. It's all really, really well done. None of the support team are making any impression on me, though. No, but apart from the Vatican, it, 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 that's pretty much it, really. I mean, they're there, they're helping him, but... But they're just making... Yeah, you know, when you think what's going to come main... in the next two or three films. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I sort of agree. Like, the, I think the main downfall... Apart from during the fulcrum scene, that there's a one scene with a dodgy CGI. Um, but yeah, they're kind of the, the team, obviously, apart from Luther. Um, Where's the dodgy CGI? Not that strong. Let's see, like, he's going along the roof and he drops his gun and then goes down a corner, I guess. Um, and there's kind of there's quite a lot of like blurring. Um, right. Uh, it just, it just takes me out of the film. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not arguing at all. If you've seen it, it's there, but I've never noticed it. Um, yeah, it was just a, a great quick scene. I say, yeah, that one and her, his team are kind of yeah, they're not, not as strong as, as they have as they could be. Um, but yeah, they're that's kind of that's like my main gripe of the film, really. Because they they they're, they're at least trying the ensemble thing, which is mm, the sort of thing you need to do if you're ever going to future proof this series. Because it can't just be Tom Cruise. Even if it's still Tom Cruise, at one point he's going to slow down. So well, we thought he would. I'm not convinced now, to be honest, but. Um, it's a good idea, but this this ensemble doesn't work. And like next week is better, and like the week after that is even better. So, it, it's a strength of the series now that like it it needs Tom Cruise. He's the big draw. He does all the action. He's the special one, and all that sort of thing. But like you'd miss the ensemble if they weren't there now. Yeah, you couldn't just put. You couldn't have Mission Impossible Seven, and there's none of the current crew except Tom Cruise. And not at least think that's a shame. Um, yeah. Whereas here, Luther aside, because Luther's always been there. Don't you don't need him at all. But there you go. Um, it's all right. Where do we go from here? So he's got he's got the uh, he's got it now. Yeah. So he, um, so they they say goodbye to the team, and he goes and meets um, Davian. Um, you gives him a drink, and yeah. then he wakes up, and we're back at the opening scene. Yeah, he's basically, um, yeah, we've got the opening scene, which we don't need to talk through again, but obviously we see it again. Yeah. And it turns out that that's a Julia face mask. She's safe, and it's actually the woman who was running his security when he was at the Vatican. Yeah. It's like, well, I was going to kill her anyway. Quite um, revealing. And then Billy Crudup sits in front of him, which is dan, dan, dan. And says, it's complicated. 
Mm. We we can't prove that's the rabbit's foot because you can't open it basically. So we needed to interrogate you in such a way that you would give it away if it wasn't. Mm. That's what it is. So they needed to prove that was the the thing. Um, so Musgrave is the mole. Uh, he's trying to arrange for Davian to acquire the rabbit's foot, basically in order to sell it to the Middle East, so that America can launch a preemptive strike on it. Apparently, yeah. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, it's not surprising given the you know the fact that I mean, I remember you saying they were like they're like truthers, weren't they? So pretty anti kind of. Orsi about... I yeah. can't speak for Kurtzman, but Orsi okay. is. Orsi is, yeah. He, you know, nine eleven was an inside job kind of thing. So it kind of aligns with that kind of thinking. Um, that's I my mean, understanding, anyway. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to slander someone if it's not true. No, that's no, no. My that's fine. No, that, that's fine. You know, uh, but you know, it's it, you know that that's what I thought when when I sort for of okay that kind of aligns. He also says something like you know, he says line like you know democ- democracy wins, and I couldn't sort of tell whether he was being. Or the character was be- supposed to be being sarcastic about it. Oh, I've no idea. You know, it was it was that, and yeah, it was just just felt a little. It just it just felt okay. There's just a little bit. You, you know, it just it just felt a little bit forced. The whole narrative of it. It just. I I think the, I think the reasoning is forced. I just think like yeah. Um... I don't know. It it would be like a just policeman. have him a sellout. That's all you need to, well, it, need to it be. Just, I I don't get it. Yeah, that would be better. I mean, I wouldn't buy a plot in a film where some senior ranking policeman tries to stimulate crime so they've got something to do. Yeah, I don't get that. Your your whole ethos is not about giving yourself something to do. Obviously, you need yeah. to be gainfully employed, but and there's no sign of a bigger conspiracy where one of the forces are paying him or yeah. politicians are paying him it almost seems like he in his IMF role wants to give start some kind give the pretense for an attack it's not brilliant but to be fair again and I'm aware a lot of it is me not wanting to bash the writers yet again but I just feel like it doesn't matter he's going to sit down he's going to have a reason all right. Yeah. The reason's not amazing, but he had a reason. It was a flaw in the first one, you know. Yeah. So John, so John Boy, why are you doing this? I don't know. I was a bit bored. So uh, yeah, I, I no, I think it was just like yeah, well, John Voight was basically just you know sold out. You know, I'll, yeah. Yeah, but it it's gone quiet, and all. it wasn't very well explained. No, no, no. Well, yeah, true. Uh, it wasn't a good reason, was it? But it's simple enough to go. All oh, right, fine. You just sold out. You know, it's well, like, I, you know... I did that here. You know, but the, the thing is. Had they gone on and had had further scenes of trying to explain yeah. this thinking, or perhaps when you know Davian got to him again later, well, you don't understand the, the you know the decadent West. You know, if we'd had all all that shit, and you know there is a new order in the East, and what we need to do is get in there, and you know, if there'd been anything like that, then this would have been a problem. But it was a throwaway. Why do you want to do it? Well, I want to attack. I want to attack the East, and he's actually the reason to do that. Yeah. Like, well, okay, it's a sh- it's it's shit, but it took like fifteen seconds of screen time, so no problem. Yeah, I mean, I I guess you could either do like oh, I sold out all the I'm using Davian to I'm I'm working with Davian to get to other to, to get other shit done. It's you know it's that kind of like blinded by your own yeah. you know you sort of that kind of thing. Anyway, anyway, I um... would have been, I, I actually, if I was honest, I would have expected the cliche. I would have expected. 
is for him to play on the 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 lines between good and evil being blurred. Yeah, that's what I would have expected in him to go. Well, you know, in, in today's world, you know, it, it's fine. But the the mole is. We know Julia is still alive. She's captured. Uh, Ethan as Ethan's had get something put up his nose now. Yeah. So he's he's got one of those. It's <laughs> a bit of coke. Something. A bit of coke. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, or Pepsi. What? Either way. Right. Other soft drinks are available. <laughs> yeah. I just thought of Becca then. We, we we don't do advertisements here. Panda pops. <laughs> All soft drinks are available. Panda pops. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we know where the mole is we know that Davian's got the rabbit's foot we know Julia's alive and we know Ethan's up against the ticking clock I think that's pretty effective Yeah. Um, they need to um, Ethan manages to sort of get away um, and we need and basically he gets Mosgrave's phone which is able uh, he uses that location with the help of his team to find where Julia is Um, help from Benji so Benji comes back proves his worth and all the rest of it um, and it's got the long, long running scene. Yeah, he's basically running through Shanghai. That logistically, that must have been a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it looked great though. Again, uh, you it know, looks I, superb. And I think, I, I think joking with, aside, yeah. Tom Cruise was born to do that shit. There's something about him running that's actually pretty fucking glorious. But it's, it's also actually nice to use your, use your location as well. Like, actually, oh, let's have a look at this little area, Shanghai. You know, yeah. a, a, as opposed to, like, say, <clears throat> Bond, who, like, goes, oh, where should we, where should we have our, like, uh, 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 fi- final uh, scene of our big movie? I know, some random place in Scotland where there's just, you know, a house and that's it. Well, I just love the fact, Inspector, they go, we're shooting in Rome. You go, oh, Rome, brilliant, beautiful, historic city. Where's the meeting being held? Venom Palace. Venom Palace. <laughs> Which is also interesting and historical and beautiful. It is, but like... I know. You somewhere in Rome, you dumb... I know, I know. It's your shock fucking rogue nation there earlier in the year. Never mind. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying hard. Like this, Certainly the next one as well, it becomes a little bit like... Bond did it first, but I think this is the first. You know, you can, you, there are strains of Bond sort of starting to come through. Obviously, because you know you've got the, the, the Casino Royale reboot and all the rest of it. Um, I think also you've you've got if you're going to do Mission Impossible film after Mission Impossible film, uh, there's lots of the world to see. There's lots of different places you go, and as you start building on your formula, it's the other way round from Bond. Bond had Fleming, so they went right. He travels. And we'll have him eat exotic breakfasts, and that'll be exciting to like a 1960s audience, not far removed from rationing. With this, they've slowly built on it. They've they've slowly built on it. The second film only really had one or two major locations. You didn't see a lot of them anywhere, anyway. But now it is like a a couple of major cities at least each time. So Mission Impossible has become quite globe trotting now, and and that I think you're right, Becca. That starts here, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of get a whiff, a vague whiff of that as well. So. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that he basically finds the place, encounters Davian. Um. But Davian sort of triggers that explosive in mm. Ethan's brain. So, but it's not instant. It's a time bomb. So he's got a certain amount of time. We don't know how much time he's got. There's no ticking clock on it, which is kind of cool as well. Because you're like, Christ, this could go off at any time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not convinced by you know 
Damien kicking the shit out of Tom Cruise, though? Even no, with bombing head and all. I thought they just about got away with it. Yeah. Just. Because he was, he was... I don't know how tall he was, but then that's almost irrelevant because Tom Cruise isn't very tall. But he's physically imposing enough, particularly as Tom Cruise is hurt. And he's yeah. struggling and he's got something in his brain. And that was enough of an equaliser that I thought... You know, it's a bit like the Joker kick... You know, Heath Ledger's Joker kicking Batman when he's on the floor. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I thought it was actually okay. But I take your point. On paper, I'd go, you're having a laugh, aren't you? You've got, a, like, an action star at his peak. <laughs> yeah. And then a slightly overweight guy. It, no. Uh, I mean, I, 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 think, I think it was because when he, like, you know, he did some sort of, like, uh, throw, like, arm throw. I thought, no, come on, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's okay. Yeah. I haven't really got a lot to say about this. If you guys, you know, he gets on top of it, beats him, and effectively then they've got to sort of kill him and bring him back, Ethan, which we're not exactly building up the tension here, but all you really need to say is he does. It's, yeah. it's not that great. It's not... I, I complain about everything building to big action. In fact, we've had all the big action in this film. It's quite a bit smaller and intimate, the ending of this, which I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's fine. I think the way... The stuff with, you know, Julia and having to, like, sort of you know, zap him to, to to that and then bring him back to life. That's actually all fine. It's just the, the closing of Dave, Davian and the uh, Billy Cook character. Just, you know, especially when, especially when Billy Cook just just sort of just stumbles into like getting shot. It just feels a bit all yeah. oh, right. Oh, we need to kill him off. All right, there we are. And, just, and he was only outed about five minutes ago. Yeah, so it just so, feels it just feels no, very... no, that's great. But again, I I don't look at it and just think fundamentally that's wrong. You can't no. reveal him too early. Um, it's a little bit of a waste of Billy Crudup, but okay, you know, it's all right. Yeah. We've but, got, you know, we keep saying this, we've got better to come with this series, but this is all perfectly fine. Mm. We've had decent action. We've had decent, really decent performances. We've had a bit of growth for the Ethan character. We've had a little bit of globe trotting. I think we've had a very accomplished debut from J.J. Abrams. He'd never directed a feature film before this. Um, yeah, this is all pretty good. Um, and then really after all that it's you know the sort of sign he does say during it all as they're racing around looking for a defibrillator he says yeah. I will explain everything to you because she still doesn't know Yeah. but then it's normal as usual it's meet up with the head of MIF and get congratulated and all the rest of it Yeah. and then um, leave, for, leave for a honeymoon twinkie blonky music and uh, and everyone's like yay and then <laughs> There you are. Credit. They're gonna make it after all. There you go. <laughs> or something along those lines. Yeah. All right. Um, it's a happy ending. Not that kind of happy ending, though. No. <laughs> I'd totally have watched that. That would have been hilarious. It's like, <laughs> it is, really? It my God, they went happy there. way. Yeah. Um, I think that serves as my final thoughts. Actually, I've just said it all. You know, it's it's happy decent. ending all around. It, it's happy endings all right. It's decent everything. <laughs> Um, which damns it with faint praise. Had we never had four, five, and six, we'd have gone. Yeah, that that series went out on a high. I thought they were pretty decent. Two wasn't yeah. bad, but two two wasn't good. Sorry, but you know, the two of them, two of the three weren't bad. Um, of the three, I think it's fair to say at this point, and um, we do we do deal with the films as they come to us. So we haven't seen four, five, and six again. 
Um, I've seen Fallout recently enough that I know for certain I prefer Fallout to this. Um, I think it's fair to say I prefer 4 and 5 to this, but I've got to give do it the courtesy of actually going through the process and watching them again, though. Of the three we've had, this is far better than two. Um, just different universe of quality. Whether I prefer it to one, I don't know. Um, one feels like a more grown-up film, but at the same time, it gave us no character insights whatsoever. Whereas here... We've got a little bit, an attempt to make Ethan a three-dimensional character. J.J. Abrams has a very good sense of pacing in his films. He seeded action all the way through it so that, actually, if you say which is the big action set piece, where you could point to two or three, that it could be. Um, And that's been a hallmark of the series ever since. I don't think most of the films are, are based around one piece. They're based around several. And one might stand out, one might be a bit bigger, but, you know, the most impressive bit of Fallout for me wasn't the helicopter stuff, even though that's probably the biggest. Um, you could point with Fallout to the halo jump. The most impressive thing to me was him going against the traffic on the Champs-Elysees. So um, that starts here, that you just go, we've got an embarrassment of riches. But unlike most Orsi and Kurtzman scripts and J.J. Abrams films generally, it doesn't fall apart when I think about it too badly. So damning with faint praise though it will be, this is a good film. Yeah, again, got to agree with what Dave said there pretty much. Um, of, of the three we've had so far, this is by far the best. Obviously the first one is quite iconic. I help you know, bring the franchise to a, to a new audience. But again, this is honestly stupid, but I don't know how else to say it. Like, they're all very different beasts, wildly different films. A lot of different genres, and this one is a complete world away. Um, this is probably about a third or fourth time I say it now, but this is like the blueprints or like the bare bones of the series as we as we know and love it today, really. Um, I know we'll see that again in, in the next couple of films, but I think this is where it all starts. This is where like the modern era Mission Possible, as we know and love it today, all begins now. Fair enough, back in the you know with the TV series, but this is where the film series starts for me. The first two films, scrap discount. <laughs> Um, you're saying that as someone who didn't dislike the first one no it's just that different isn't it it, it's a very different different flavor a different beast um but again this is kind of where like the the series as we know it this is where it all comes from and it's kind of like the goldfinger and and thunderball this would be the goldfinger i guess and this is thunderball like proper um but you know where where that formula is is cemented should we say i know that all the films are on a slightly different level but that was the only way that's the thing that popped into my head. Um, yeah, there's a few areas of dodgy CG, um, and then there's, there's the, the sporting team around Tom Cruise could be a bit stronger. Um, love interest is, you know, quite interesting. I kind of think that language is she holding there a little bit, but it makes, you know, it makes even that character more more rounded um, and certainly more developed, and you follow more of the arc, you know, as, as the film goes on. Um, again, we're starting to see more of the real world um, influence on those films. They do become you know, darker and grittier um, and politics, global politics um, starts to feed more into you know into the plots of storylines. Um, but great script, solid performances, um, fantastic action. Literally, when I saw this film at the cinema, um, they sold me the whole seat, but I only used part of it, just to paraphrase Tarantino there. Literally, edge of your seat. <laughs> She, she sat that. on the headrest. I, I sat, yeah, I sat on the headrest. I was like, right, I'm going to perch up here. Um, as I imagine your cat does, Dave. 
it's not perfect by any means, but I say this is like the bare bones of, of where the series starts for me. Um, yep, really enjoyed it. I'm pumped for next week. Anyway, Chris. Uh, yeah, I mean, I might sound a little hard in this film uh, than, than I actually do feel, to be honest with you. But um, I think that's largely down to the fact that I know the next three films are coming. Um, exactly. And, you know, it's odd because, you know, this one kind of does sort of bl- blend slightly in, in obscurity because you do have the three films that are coming and... The other two, the previous, the first two, whether you like them or not, you know, um, they do stand out in their own individuality. So this one kind of set sets things up the way way we're gonna go from now on in. But, but only it's a transitional the, film. Yeah, only this film. Only there's nothing particularly spectacular in this film, whereas the other other films do. Uh, and then I think that's that's the weakness of the film. That being said, it you know the momentum's great. The it, it it's completely done. Um, Cruise Cruise is great as always in it. Um, you know it, it, it's it's never dull. You know got probably got the best villain for the series. So yeah, not much to complain about at all. Yeah, though it's a bit of a it's a bit of a photo finish between him and Je- and Sean Harris, but. Um... On screen presence, I don't think you can beat Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, he is fantastic. I mean, he's just in yeah. some really brilliant films, and yeah, it's such a shame that we lost him when we did. But yeah, he was just he, he talking at, right at the, at the um at the top of the show about how like he just gives really good villain, and he just really doesn't care. I was like, it's a very understated performance. Like he doesn't, you know, there isn't. I don't know. He doesn't. Yeah. Um, it's kind of very very stripped back, very very pared back, and um, very simple performance. Um, doesn't use a lot of tricks or, or CGI or. Yeah, it's one of the best. Hoffman's one of the best actors I've ever seen who doesn't bl- blend into a role, in that it's always, always him. Yeah, he, yeah. He just has incredible range. Go, go watch him in this, then watch him in Boogie Nights. Yeah. It's just like uh, you know, just the whole bearing of the guy's different, but it's still him. But it's it's, um, it's, so, it's so diverse. Yeah, absolutely. But that said, I might know a lot about Philip Seymour Hoffman, but I don't know that I know very much about his work here and the film as a whole which is a bit daft really we've just done like about you know over two hour review of it this keeps happening i don't know why we keep doing this <laughs> why, why don't we start find some shit out and then go oh that's really informed my opinion chris why <laughs> i don't know as if we should have had some facts to start us off with well we're 150 episodes in that's fucking <laughs> let's not fuck with a losing format <laughs> so becca well, sadly, I don't have any Philip Seymour Hoffman facts, but I have some general facts about the film. Okie dokie. I wonder if we should do, like, I don't know, actor profiles and give you, like, a minute introduction to the film or something. Listeners, let us know what you think of that idea. And we'll ignore. <laughs> it's not that good an idea. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so, yeah, fun fact number one. Um, some of these facts might have cropped up before on previous shows, so sorry for any overlap. Um, yeah, fun fact number one, um, actor Dermot Mulroney can be heard lending his cello playing skills on the score um, of both this film and Ghost Protocol. I think he might actually appear in a shot of the film next week. Um, he's not kind of like lead chair, um, but he's kind of, I think one of the quotes in the 11th cello from the back or something like that. But you know, he's a cellist and can be heard on this um, on this score. Um, fun fact number two, 
apparently I was reading an interview um, with JJ Abrams and he said that apparently the idea of um, Ethan Hunt receiving his information via the disposable camera um, came to him from, um, was given by Steven Spielberg apparently. He, he just kind of scoured the land, asked his mates, asked his wife any kind of input and Spielberg popped up and was like, oh, I've got this great idea. So apparently that's where that comes from, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I said a fun fact already, so I'm going to go to my alternate fun fact for number three. Um, I remember sort of reading a lot of um, like the making of this film. Um, apparently during the Rome, the, the shoot in um, in Rome, um, the second unit team got a bit distracted, so they hired uh, like bikini models and actresses to, to portray nuns to kind of keep keep cameras and keep press busy, so they could get on and and, and do their work, um, so they could work undisturbed, which I think is quite is quite funny. Um, Fun fact number four, the reveal of um, Musgrave as the villain was apparently written the morning like they shot it. And Billy Crudup had to read his lines off like idiot boards. It was so literally written very freshly. Um, and he had no time to learn them, so he kind of did a Desmond and Willen and read his lines off idiot boards there. And yeah, as we mentioned earlier, fun fact number five, director Joe Conlon was attached, but quit after a year and a bit, um, citing creative differences. Um, but had he Early would have carried on, we probably would have got Ghost Protocol one film earlier. I think that was like his main kind of plot, seeing the IMF team kind of break up. Um, but yeah, did, that's my five did, fun facts. Yeah, I, I did actually pick up, I forgot to mention that bit. Apologies for fun facts I have sort of almost covered, but that was one thing that, that the whole idea of the team breaking up, being disavowed, and all the rest of it. Uh, Carnahan has said in interviews that it was closest to, to Ghost Protocol. That's not to say it was Ghost Protocol, but it was closest to that one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite similar. But I think from here on in, because I think the first film, they're basically disavowed. The second film, he actually does work for IMF. Um, and this, you know, this, this film, they're all kind of they're still on the team. Um, it's a happy ending. Yeah. So this is kind of where it, next film is kind of where it all goes south. Absolutely, the idea that he gets disavowed every time is not not quite true, but obviously from now on there's a bit more Most of that. Of the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, he should go rogue in Scotland. <laughs> well, um, I guess not soon. It's almost as if they can't stop doing rogue, the rogue agent element, isn't rogue it? Rogue something, isn't it? It's going to be rogue yeah. or rouge, where they look fabulous. Rouge. Go against the authority, man. The rogue. Everything on the line. That's why Bond does it all the time. Yeah, it's been done to death. But there you go. Um, as for social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Oh, you can find uh, uh, the podcast at Soundtracks UK, uh, which we are all now on on iTunes, but also Spotify and Google. So fill your boots. Uh, and we're complete again. That we we haven't mentioned that. Those of you who listened to our Mission Impossible two show, we said that. Um, to go to the website because our complete catalogue isn't on iTunes it now is so everywhere you go you should have every episode we've ever done for now ever. yeah with the exception of YouTube where there are music episodes uh, missing because of rights but everything else is there yeah so get your get your post- podcasting fixes at whatever your chosen we discovered player. the early years where we were incompetent and humorless <laughs> And now we're but, just no. But still <laughs> factual. Yes. No, we're just incompetent. <laughs> slightly more competent and slightly more humorous than yes. the first time around, hopefully. We do. Yes, yeah, so if you want to follow us on Twitter you can <laughs> at Dispexes Talk and also the same on Facebook. And find us on iTunes 
expect to talk and you can also drop us an email expect us to talk at gmail.com yes go seek us out on all your podcatchers iTunes, Spotify, Google Podbean all the fun spots absolutely there will be places we're not because I know things like SoundCloud I think you have to put yourself forward and we haven't yeah, we're not just there. but we're, so. we're in most places now because as Chris pointed out most podcatchers are automate automatic and they, they they search for podcasts they will find you uh, but iTunes Spotify Stitcher and a couple of others you have to do it yourself and we have but the main problem was uh, there was a heart there was an episode lim- an artificial episode limit imposed on iTunes which we were able to switch off but there is a hard limit of 300 episodes so one day we will have to either move it to an archive or accept we're losing some some but that's three or four years away yet yeah yeah we might find a way around it might find but, yeah they, they, they might extend the limit by then you just don't know but yeah the episode limit now is 300 and if you count the non-canon episodes and the few cinematronics on there i think there's about 160 on there as we speak i mean i've been ta- i've been considering doing like a, a new feed and just putting all the old bond episodes on there yeah we would oh, literally yeah. we would either have to go like now playing style and and separate all the series out if as well yeah or we'd have to go into all our old posts one at a time and and put you know do you expect us to talk archive on them as well or something um it would be an afternoon's work we're not opposed to doing it but let's wait till we're actually near up near a limit yet at the moment there's no point but i think when the time comes we will look at somewhere we can put it where it's still accessible as opposed other than just the website where we can just say we'll subscribe and take what you want from there as well mm. we'll figure it out but at the moment we've we've postponed the problem till quite a way in the future definitely definitely yeah and uh, it was nice to get feedback from a few listeners when they said, "Oh, great!" Because I've been able to go back and find that this episode or that episode, or oh, good. Uh, some of your, f- oh, some of my favourites are, you know, people couldn't access the Bond series unless they went to the website. And when we mm. think, well, we started as a Bond podcast, that's how you'd want people to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and people have told us that they've, they've saved a couple of the, a few of their favourites now. So thank you. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. Oh, my heart uh, is full. Which are people's favourites, Dave? No, it varies. It, it, it's never the ones you think it is. Okay. Because occasionally we'll do an episode where I think it was all right and someone will come back and say, that's one of the best episodes you've ever done. doesn't happen oh. very often, but it has happened. And you go, really? My I heart is empty. I thought it was all right. Um, I think I think outside of Bond, Rocky was probably the best, strongest series we did. I genuinely do. I think that was the strongest series we did end-to-end. Uh, Superman was a really strong series. Yeah, I with the, that. With, the, with the rest of them, like bits have been strong. Like Tarantino, we were really fast out of the gate. The first three or four episodes of that are brilliant, and then we had a break, and when we came back, it just wasn't the same. Um, Marvel was, I thought, okay all the way through, but I didn't think we ever hit any real heights with that. It just, you know, the way it feels to us is not the way it comes across to listeners. Yeah, I think that we always hit a certain standard. It always sounds like us, and it's always fairly typical. So I don't think we do. But bear in mind, when you've done so many, it's rarer one stands out. So when when we were early on in this, you know, first 20, 30 episodes, we do like a good one, and we go, "Christ, that was great! That went that went really well." And that happens less now, just because that they're always like us. They're always fine. I have to say. The, the the first one for a long time that gave us all a buzz where we went that was good was last week mission impossible three we finished at two we all finished recording and went yeah that was spot on and then we, we when i edited it i was like yeah this is this is this is like 
the strongest one we've done for a while. But that doesn't mean listeners are going to agree. It's only personal. And, yeah. it's how, and it's how you enjoyed it when you recorded it as well. But it's fair to say to anyone listening, we always enjoy doing this. There's, there's not... There are series where we get towards the end and we're like, I am ready to move on from this, but I'm still enjoying it with the exception of Star Trek. But we always enjoy it. But yeah, occasionally we have an episode we enjoy more. And last week when we did Mission Impossible 2, it was one of the easiest shows ever to edit because we were just bouncing off each other so easily. It was just like it was just like flowing. And sometimes you have to assemble that in an edit. And did that surprise you, given the film it was? Um, I've learnt not to be surprised since For Your Eyes Only was one of our best Bond episodes. That that taught me never to be surprised, because For Your Eyes Only might be a favourite of mine, but it's not a favourite of the public. Yeah. And it, it's not a standout, iconic Bond film. So I we went into that going, it's this week's Bond film. And when you think around it, you've got The Spy Who Loved Me, which is iconic. You've got Moonraker, which is laughed at quite a lot. You've got Octopussy, which I don't like very much. You've got um, Never Say Never Again, which is non-official and has a load of the McClory story. And then you've got A View to a Kill, where it's an old man making out with a histrionic fucking woman. (laughs) So um, of all that run of episodes, you go, well, which is going to be the weakest? And the one I would have pointed to was by far the strongest of that run. Um, So you just never know. You just absolutely never know how they can. You just don't know how they're going to come out. One of the weakest Marvel episodes we did was Captain America: The Winter Soldier. It's one of the best films, yeah. but it's probably it's probably the weakest recording we it did. It does vary, doesn't it? As I say, you can't judge. Um, you just don't know. I think it's. I think. I think a lot depends on the night as well. Yeah. Well, uh, Captain America. Firstly, my audio settings were wrong, and first, and it was the first one back after a break, and a break revives us, but you're normally a bit rusty on the first one. So you just don't know. We're, we're not great ones for sitting around praising ourselves, to be honest. But um, when I think about the ones that feel good to me and I, I listen back and go, yeah, that worked really well. Uh, then I, I'd see, I don't think we nailed the Batman series until we got to like Nolan. And then all the Nolan episodes are really good. Yeah. And you just don't know. From Dust Till Dawn commentary, we did it as a little warm up because we'd had a short break then. And it's the funniest thing we've ever recorded. You know, from if, when I think of commentaries, yeah, it's like in the top three, from Dust Till Dawn. That the Spy Love Me, and... the Spy You Love Me is like one of them as well. That was really really funny. You were helpless with laughter recording. <laughs> I know, piss me off. <laughs> it's three years ago, and we're still like remember that. So it's not about what I think is the best necessarily. It's sometimes what we think is the most enjoyable. You know, and um, Mission Impossible 2, we had an absolute blast recording. I'm surprised by tonight, looking at the length of time we've been recording and the show we've got out of it. I don't think it's one of the all-time classics by any means, but we've just like produced a decent show uh, of a film I was worried I'd have much to say, because it's just all right. Yeah. That was the problem we had with Marvel. You know, it was... It's like 90 minutes each, each time, wasn't it? Well, Marvel was running okay, actually, and towards the end, they were all a couple of hours. The only one that was really short was Thor The Dark World, and I think we had an off night that night, to be honest, full stop. But we do have off nights. We do have nights where it's like we did a recording a few years ago of a commentary we never released. We did Live and Let Die, and it was terrible. So we did it. We did The Spy Who Loved Me instead, just to do something different, and that came out really well. But I'm not worried about Living To and Live and Let Die. Because it's years ago and it will come out really well. It will come out fine. 
But on the night, we had an off night. None of us had anything to say, and it just came out really shit. It wasn't even sloppy and unfocused. It was featureless. We just didn't really have anything to say, did we? No, we were just... We, none of us caught fire that night. There was just, I don't know. what We've got quite a natural ambience because we all know each other quite well, but we had it back then, but it just failed that night. No, we had a bit of an off mic, as you said. Yeah, you know, it just happens. But um, I think you're always safer, Becca, if I'm honest, if, uh, if your film is being directed by someone from Pixar, which means... Do you expect to talk or return with... Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. 